Dick, I have to go home. Look, you saved the tour, and that's good enough for now, right? Come on, big fella. Let's go. I hurt the flower. Did you, man? You hurt the flower. That's fine. Come on, on the bus. Ladies and gentlemen, the evening is over. We hope you all enjoyed yourselves, and we'll see you all again in 1974. Good evening! Okay, you gotta I buy. Live another day without watching that movie. You gotta buy the director's cut. Uh, you don't buy the. Uh, I mean, it's a great movie, but you gotta buy the. the it's not called the director's cut. It's called the bootleg uh, cut. And, it, and I know you're not a big fan of commentaries or documentaries or whatever. It's not for that. It's because you want to watch. And very rarely is this the case, but the director's cut is just so much better. It's probably 40 minutes longer than theatrical. And the, don't get me wrong, the theatrical version is brilliant. Uh, the, the version that everybody paid money to see in the theater of Almost Famous is genius. A, a nearly flawless film. Um, but the, the director's cut that Cameron Crowe 
If you, and the great thing is, if you buy the bootleg version, which is what it's called, it's not, I mean, it's not really a bootleg DVD, but it's called the bootleg version. And it's great because it comes in what looks like a vinyl slipcase, sort of, and it's got the worn, sort of circular mark on the front, as like uh, vinyl records get, but, you know. Um, the, I know this sounds like total the movie nerd stuff, but every single thing, I haven't even begun the program, I haven't even given the credits, no one even knows who we are, I haven't given the phone number, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to say this about the almost famous bootleg version. First of all, it's two discs, so you have the theatrical version and the director's cut. So if you watch the director's cut and decide you somehow prefer the theatrical version, the theatrical version is actually still there. It just gives you the option of watching the longer version. Every single thing about that DVD, from the minute you put it into your DVD player, uh, opening menus on DVDs make a big impact on me sometimes because you can kind of tell when somebody has really cared about the presentation of a DVD. I have some movies, Leap of Faith with Steve Martin and Deborah Winger, uh, which I love, comes to mind. But Leap of Faith is a great movie, a great if flawed film. But goddamn, you watch the DVD for Leap of Faith and you can tell that the studio just would... That they had some intern working on that on a Saturday night trying to get it done for Monday and they, they had a budget of about $9 with which to do it. You put in the Leap of Faith DVD, no music, no animation, Nothing. It literally is just... I mean, it's like cable access graphics. It's like a clip art picture of Steve Martin, the name of the film, and like one option. Play. Oh, and the special feature. I do believe the special feature just takes you to the color bars. So you can set like the contrast and tint on your television. Uh, but almost famous. You put it in. I don't want to oversell it, but I'm going to say this. I made Lara watch the, uh, uh, the, uh, the the director's version, the, the, the so-called bootleg cut of Almost Famous. She's sitting on the couch. I do what I always do. I have my whole ritual. I go and I turn off all the lights in the house. I make sure that we have whatever foods or beverages we're going to be taking in. I make sure the sound system is adjusted. I put the DVD in. I close the tray. I hit play. Just the menu for Almost Famous comes up, and it is done so beautifully. I won't kind of give away the gimmick of how they do it, but just the opening DVD menu... For the for the almost famous special edition is just that is just beautiful. It's just it's fantastic. So there you go. Excellent. Great way to start a Friday. Wonderful. Uh, I know. I I can't go another day without seeing that. And as much as I love CD Game Exchange, I've gone there like seven hundred times looking for this movie and I can't find it. So no I'm just gonna ever, go buy it today. Because no one ever trades it in. No, no. one ever. Uh, that's like. And again, I I am a big CD Game Exchange fan. Not just because they're advertisers, but because you know I go there all the time. The, the, the thing I was telling you about during the before the show, we doing the almost uh, famous thing, is that I was that way with Jaws, where I went to CD Game Exchange probably twice a week for about nine months before I could find Jaws, because the thing is, I didn't, it didn't feel right to pay full price for a movie that I've seen so many times I could just play it in my head, front to back. I mean, I was basically just buying the Jaws DVD for the Dolby 5.1, the remastering they did on the audio and for the documentary. Uh, you know, but it's like whoever, who would look at their DVD collection and go, I don't know, I've just got to get rid of all these, uh, I've got to get rid of this classic, I've got to get rid of Jaws. Essentially, and I don't mean to be more, but you really have to wait for someone to die and for their parents to not realize how great their DVD collection is and then just to go trade it in. That's really what you're waiting for. You're waiting for some sort of film, filmographic estate sale to take place. All right. Uh, Jesus, eight minutes in. Hi, uh, it's eight minutes and 13 seconds after the hour of 11 in this the month of October, in the year of our Lord, 2007. Thank you for coming by making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 Solid State uh, Radio. Uh, this, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. I am he. Thank you for coming by. We're here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Uh, it is Friday, and uh, welcome to Day 12. Thank you for coming by. It's 503 733 
Uh, 733-2970. You want to join us with your comments, your clarifications, your conventions, your two cents, your what have you. It's 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com, uh, sarah at 970.am, or tim at 970.am. Our good friend, the intrepid Richie Bristol, uh, is standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about whatever the interesting, the tedious, the groundbreaking, the mundane, the uh, somewhere in between, the just plain weird, the just goddamn indefinable. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. I got lots more to say about Almost Famous, but I have to put a pin in that, and uh, we'll have to revisit it here in just a few minutes. Otherwise, it's going to be 45 minutes of me gushing all about Cameron Crowe. So we will come back to it. I will say this. Coming up today, we have CNN radio correspondent uh, Ed McCarthy is going to be joining us. So the uh, so Boston is now Boston is now 2-0. They only doubled the score of the Rockies. They didn't do like a 13-to-1 run-up. They didn't do some sort of slap you in and call your mama and tell you about it. Uh, they're crushing the way they did the other night. 2-to-1, uh, which puts them up uh, to... <laughs> this is so great. Listen to the way CNN describes this. They now have a 2-to-0 lead over the suddenly stagnant Rockies. That's exactly how you want to be described. Uh, we will talk to Mark Shearer, who I inadvertently insulted yesterday when I didn't pick up on his clever punning, which apparently everybody in the world caught but me. Wait, how about this? Like, here's a random email from Brian. Brian says, Rick, you know, yesterday Mark Shearer wasn't being rude. He was joking along with you. You made a comment about the cilia in your ear freezing, and he said, it seems so obvious now in retrospect. He said, that's the silliest thing I've ever heard. It's a play on words, you see. No, really, it's a play on words. Just trust me. Then call Mark and apologize for being an ass. So, uh, we'll talk to Mark Shearer today. I don't really care about whatever it is he's covering. I really just have to clear the emotional decks in terms of the whole missed pun. Uh, we'll also talk to CNN Radio Correspondent James Roop. Uh, you can go to rickemerson.com right now. Uh, and you can see the photograph, sort of the post-flame-up of his pants. Uh, Rook played us the, the greatest news clip yesterday. It was him covering, it was him covering the California fire for some other radio station. And during the course of the coverage, his pants caught on fire. And you can actually hear him in the clip using his reporter's notebook to beat out the flames. Uh, and so there's a, you go there's two things. A, there's a, um, there's an MP3 of the broadcast, so you can actually hear Roop playing the broadcast for us. So we're sort of snickering in the background, but you can hear Roop actually, his pants catching on fire while he does the phone-in. And then there's actually a photo of the pants post-fire. Uh, post so, anyway. Uh, so we'll talk to uh, Roop about that today. What else? Scott Daly is going to be here from FilmFeverRadio.com. Uh, speaking of director's cuts, so that Blade Runner, I think it's the Ultimate Edition, because there was the, the theatrical version, then there was the director's cut, and I do believe, I think it's the version that is on that new five-disc collector set that just came out, like, last month or something. Well, I'm not a huge Blade Runner fan, which I know is heresy, but we're all just going to have to be okay with that. But it, I guess it's, I think it's playing instead of a 21. So, uh, so Scott Daly will be here to talk about Blade Runner. What else? Uh, oh, yeah, we got another copy of American Gangster, uh, season one we're going to be giving away. Uh, here is how you do it, friends and neighbors. You just be listening for Tim Riley to use the magical phrase, Damn, it feels good to be a gangster. You hear that later on, you'll be caller number nine, you win a copy of American Gangster, uh, season one. We'll also examine the long-lasting effects of yesterday's horrific Black Widow email. Uh, and we will introduce a new phrase of the day. So that's all coming up. It's 503 2970. Let's start uh, here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program, sir, madam. Hello, how are you today? I am Dandy. What's up? 
Well, I, I went to your website yesterday. I noticed the post besides Jim Roots dancing on the fire. Yeah. Strange. Hope he's okay. But um, I noticed a picture of toiletries, a bunch of little soaps and things. And I read the post about it because not usually people post up pictures of soap. I noticed you were talking something about the fur fandom again. Something about the being designed for them. Yes. Well, here's so, okay. So, in case people don't know what you're talking about, and right now I'd rate that probability at about 98 percent. If you go to rickemerson.com, you will see a photo of some toiletries from Travel Lodge, which is a chain of budget hotels all across the country. Now, Sarah was kind enough to actually track down a photo of the toiletries in question, because, and I don't remember how we got onto the subject, but the last time I stayed at a Travel Lodge was when uh, my wife and I went to see Rockstar Supernova last year, and we had to stop in hideous goddamn Burbank on the way there. And the Travel Lodge, God bless them, uh, the lodge of the open road. So we stayed there and they have always had this weird mascot where he's sort of a, you know, he's, he's, he's like a teddy bear or a bear or whatever, but he's wearing like the English sleeping cap. Sometimes, and here's the other thing, he's wearing the sleeping, like the British sleeping nightgown. Sometimes he is holding in his hand one of those candles that has the hook for your finger. You know what I mean? So, but at some point between like childhood and last year, they have morphed the mascot for Travelodge into a sort of anthropomorphic bear. Like, he does sort of look... He doesn't look like... A, he used to be a cartoon. He was a drawing. Now he does look very much like a man, you know, like a human man, in a bear costume. So, if that, as if that weren't enough, he now not only looks like a human in a bear suit on the bar of soap, he looks like a human in a bear suit draping himself seductively over the word body, which is just there in, like, big-ass white letters. And my whole thing was, the average person, and by which I mean, you know, not me, the average person probably looks at that and says, bar soap, I should do some scrubbing. I was thinking, though, that maybe this was some sort of backhanded, passive way to lure in the plushy or furry demographic. Because, you know, because, you know, it's sort of like, um, it's like one of those magic eye paintings from the 90s. You know what I mean? The plushy, furry folks see it, and maybe they think that they are being marketed to by one of their own. So then the hotel gets their business, and, you know, meanwhile, John and Jane public aren't horrified. No, honestly, I don't think so, because, uh, first of all, I'm, I'm actually part of the fur fandom. But, um, because bears are, one, not really popular, and two, well, I was also going to general in trying to spread the goodwill and knowledge of what we are so people don't burn us and, you know, chase us in the windmills and set us on fire. Uh, Does that happen yeah. a lot? You get chased into a lot of windmills, do you? No, but you never know. I've seen a lot of crazy religious fanatics. All right, so you are uh, you are a furry or a plushie? Furry. Plushies right. are weird. All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, yes, so what, what creature? You're saying bears are not popular uh, in the furry community. Bears are not very popular. I mean, I haven't seen very many. But uh, my my question is to you is any other questions you have because I try to do the best I can to help others. Wait, hold on. Really. Let me let me canvas through them. Do we have other questions about the furry community? No. Sarah? I think I'm good. No, I think I think we're good. No, we had uh, we had a friend of ours uh, coming to the the show some months ago, and he came in with yeah, his whole uh, I, his whole laugh Because I, I mean, I even I look in my own group of people. And go, what animal? Great. What animal do you dress up as, sir? I don't dress up as anything. Are you kidding? That's just kind of creepy. Well, I don't you know. know. Okay, all right. Wait, so uh, you're a furry, but you don't dress up as anything? He's a skinny. Not every furry dress up. 
That's just that's just a part of it. So do you like to be with people who are dressed up? (laughs) Do you? That's my question. So what is a furry? If you don't dress up, how do you? What is the definition of a furry, sir? And I realize that this is a strange way to start today's program, but what are you going to do? It's Friday. Oh, there there is no real clear furry Friday. By by my experience, by my knowledge, there is no real clear definition. So, uh huh. They're just a very expansive group. We we sort of accept anyone and everyone. So I could just say that I'm a furry and become one. Mm. What makes you a furry? You know, that that is a question that even I I don't know. I haven't been in it long. I mean, I'm not a good spokesperson for them. Yes. I apologize if any of them are listening. (laughs) I'm gassed. Yes. You know, but um, I I honestly can't answer that question. In some ways, it's just you know. if you enjoy, if you enjoy something different, if you, if you enjoy the artwork, the people. I, okay, you're falling asleep. Thank you very much. I'm it's like, I don't understand I don't, how you come here and like give us an open forum to ask you any questions about furries that we'd ever wanted and we ever dreamed well, of. I mean, but you don't exactly dress up. You don't do anything with anybody who's then, dressed up, and you think it's a. And then by your own admission, you say, "Well, I'm not really sure what it means." I'm not trying to pick on you, sir. I'm just saying. Well, I, I, seems I, I, like I, you might want to. Uh, you might want to have a little cohesion in your head about this. I'm doing the best. I'm doing the best I can. I mean, yes. you know, it's, it's something. I, I, I mean, I've been to a couple of cons. I've been to a couple of cons to see, you know, see the. Yes. See all the different people. The best. All right, go ahead. No, I'm just saying. Here's here's the thing. I I I, I hate to be rude about this. I'm just saying that I. Uh... We're just sort of a, we're, we're caught in a sort of infinite loop here. So I, I just I do I just some other things that we we got to get through. But I, I will say this: put your thoughts together about it because I really am. Here's my thing, and then we and then we I do really have to get to move on. But I am curious about the fact that that you don't dress up, you don't uh, get with people who dress up, uh, and you don't know anything about it really, and yet you are self-proclaimed a, furry. I didn't say. A, I didn't say I don't hang out with the people. I'm, well, I think we all know what I mean by saying get with, sir. Let's not be coy. <laughs> Wait, so if, if you right, don't I... up, then what? Yeah, just no. go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sarah's over there getting, like, disproportionately Well, it's very frustrating. Right, thank like, you, sir. Well, if you want to know anything about it, let me tell I... you. No, Unfortunately, not... I don't know anything about the community. I don't participate <laughs> in anything with anybody in the community, and I don't dress up, and I don't know anybody else who dresses I up. I don't like ever want to. I mean, I'm just looking at the phones now, and it's like they're all filled with boredom and death. Jesus, we're joined. Well, we'll get more of these calls uh, in a while. Not you know now. Uh, we're joined today as are we always by uh, the lovely and disproportionately irritated Sarah X. Dylan Why? Hello, and how are you today? How can you say that you're something and then not have any knowledge about it, not be it, and not know anybody who's involved in we it? We had all this momentum going after the tiny dancer thing. I was all excited about almost famous. Then it's just. She's one one big snooze. You really there. did like suck the life out of us. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, sir. All right. Well, uh, hi. Most of it, it's just frustrating because it made no sense. I don't know. And I, that first, you know, Don and Mike have that whole thing about the first call of the day. The first call of the day sets the tone for the entire program. Thanks. Mm. Johnny Killjoy. All right. How are you doing? Today? I don't believe that. I'm doing very well. All now right. all I can think about is going and watching Almost Famous. Yeah, no, well, I've been telling you, I got two movies that are cycling around in my head. I'm getting both watched this weekend. Almost Famous, because I put off, here's the thing is, I deliberately don't watch Almost Famous that often because I don't want it to be one of those movies that is, I'm in a groove, you know, that, that I wear it, wear into a groove, That's where I just I'm know it single. scene by scene. Yeah, I deliberately watch, um, I went through a phase when I first got it where I watched it a lot, and I have not watched Almost Famous front to back for probably almost two years, I would say. Uh, and, and so I think the time is about right for me 
because you want to get to the point, I think, with a movie like that where you kind of remember it, but you don't remember it exactly. Will you just stop talking about it so that somebody doesn't rent it before I do? Well, you can, I mean, you can borrow my copy if you, if you really want to. What you might want to, here's the thing. I could watch it, and then I could give it to you, like, tomorrow or Sunday. But I can't watch it tomorrow. I need to watch it, like, today at, like, 3.30. Okay, well, I could, well, okay, I, then I, that's all right. I'm trying to help. I'm trying to build a bridge. Meet me I halfway. Understand. I know, but no, it's just one of those okay. things where, like, it, it just has to be done. Well, do me a favor. Go, if you cannot find the director's cut or the bootleg version, and as I it's called, it's got a house. brown cover, you can borrow mine, and that can tide you over until you until you can find it. Because you really owe it to yourself to watch it. Because most times, like, usually a director's cut is just filled with all kinds of just masturbatory crap that no one cares about, and it's just some narcissistic filmmaker who thinks that every frame they ever shot needs to be seen. Uh, you know, some sort of visual version of Frank Zappa, where they think that everything they did is genius and it all has to be released. That's not the case with Almost Famous. It really is. It's like the Aliens special version. It's just head and shoulders above the theatrical version. So let me know if you can't find it. This weekend, I'm going to be watching that, and I'm going to watch Boogie Nights all the way through. Because of the brand oh, new yeah. key thing, I got that stuck in my head as well. Uh, we're joined today, as are we always, also by Tim Riley, who is uh, working on the following stories for your edification today. Mayor Potter storms out of a meeting after fellow politicians won't allow him to change the name of Interstate Boulevard. Well, for right now. A Portland police officer pleads in no contest to sexually harassing a homeless woman. There'll be an emergency meeting tonight, as expected, on how not to injure bicyclists. A Douglas County man is shot by his dog... The Sex Pistols briefly play the Roxy in L.A., and Paris Hilton postpones her goodwill trip to Africa. Well, okay, there you go. Sexually harassing a homeless woman? Yeah, that's pretty. How cool. low is your self-esteem? That is low. Well, I, I was said no contest. Gonna hit on that woman upstairs, but she's got too many teeth. Maybe I'll walk across the street to a dumpster. The best I could do at the moment. Hey, port in a storm, I suppose. All right, it's 503-733-2970. Uh, before we do anything further, let me give you an update on our friend at the Plaid Pantry that we all like to go oh, to. Oh, don't. No. I don't want to know. You do. No, I thing. really don't. Sarah, your mouth may say no, but your eyes say yes. That's creepy. Here's what you need to know about the guy at the Plaid Pantry. He's wearing so, the same shirt again. Well, let me just say, uh, I walked across to the Plaid Pantry yesterday afternoon. Same shirt. Four days running uh, yesterday. Same shirt. And uh, he has actually changed today. I went there this morning. And I was talking to Zinn about it, too, because Zinn occasionally stops by. And Dave Zinn actually was, you know, it seemed like he was wearing the same clothing for a couple days in a row. And I noted that as of yesterday, which is Thursday, that was at least four days uh, on the same shirt. And for all, and by the way, that is assuming that he hadn't also worn that shirt Saturday and Sunday. I mean, it actually could have been as many as six days that he was wearing that same clothing. I'm not clothing. even listening to you. <laughs> yes, you are. Mm-hmm. And here's... I'm just so I I'm walked, looking at my stories on the internet. So I walked in this morning. I wish I could describe, and I can't. It would. I that is that is one line too far for me to cross. I won't describe the clothing because I don't wish to identify him uh, to that extent. I mean, really, if you go into a plaid pantry and the guy's wearing the same clothing four days in a row, I guess there's probably a finite number of people that could be. So I don't want to come out and just flat out describe what he's wearing. But it is just like the most low rent. Anyway. So I walked in this morning, though, and he had changed clothing. And I was kind of, I have to say it, I was a little disappointed. I was actually kind of sad that he wasn't wearing the same clothing today because in some small part of my heart, I was really hoping that he would sort of marathon man it. You know what I mean? Just go for a full week. Just go for a good, solid five-day stretch. Because really, honestly, why would he change it? Why is today any different than yesterday? You're going to wear the same clothing for three and then... I don't know why you feel the need to talk about this. Four days in a row... 
Why did he wake up? Like, I wonder if something, like, did the other shirt catch fire? Did he spill, like, an entire thing of Tostitos cheese sauce on the other shirt? At what point? The other shirt had a stain on it for, like, three days in a row. At what point does he cross the sort of event horizon where he just looks at himself and he says, you know, it was perfectly okay to wear this shirt for four days, but five, I don't know. That's just one day too many for this plaid pantry guy. My friend just wrote me, sorry, the fact that Rick goes to the plaid pantry that often is almost worse than the guy working at the counter. I have to now. It's become a, it's become a quest. It's become a thing I have to do. Also, I keep forgetting to go to Trader Joe's, and I have these protein bars that I eat in the morning. So I, so I go to my pantry and pay like $9 a piece for them because I'm retarded. All right. Uh, so, okay, let me check that off. Update on the plaid pantry guy. I should go with him for Halloween. No, that's a bad idea. Let's forget bad I said idea. that. <laughs> um, okay, but the phrase of the day, though, does come uh, sort of via the plaid pantry guy indirectly. Here is the phrase of the day. Because I came over yesterday. I, I'd gone to the plaid yesterday afternoon. And I came back, and I stopped by, and Dave Zinn said, Hey, is, is the plaid pantry guy wearing the same clothing again today? Because he listens to the show. And I said, I said, yes, he is, Dave Zinn. Four days in a row. And Dave said the greatest thing. I wrote this down immediately. He said, Dave said, Maybe he's having a Mexican shirt off with somebody, which is fantastic. And I immediately wrote that down in a post-it note, and I put it on my desk. Uh, all right, let's get this call, which we may or may not regret taking. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Please be more interesting than the last guy. Rick. Yes, hello. <laughs> hey, Rick, how you doing? I am fantastic. Good, and I'd like to say good morning to Sarah and the best newsman ever, Tim Riley. Thank hello. you. Good morning. How you guys doing? Anyway... I just wanted to make a comment about uh, Roop's pants catching on fire uh, yes, yesterday. Uh huh. That's got to be the best thing I've ever heard. It really. And can I say this? Uh, have you got, have you listened to the audio clip? Did you hear it yesterday? Or did you see it on the site? Uh, no, I heard it yesterday. I'm gonna go check the site. You out go. Tonight. You can download that. You make it your ringtone or something. Uh, Jim would no say, kidding. "My pants are on fire." Uh, <laughs> so I have a. I will, I'm sorry. Let me just uh, real quickly go while I'm thinking about this. Mailman Chris had actually emailed us yesterday, and I didn't see it till after the show. I am sort of. Um, I am sort of embarrassed of myself, actually, that I forgot. I did not make the obvious joke. That yesterday, I did not in any way say, the roof, the roof, the roof is on fire, which I really should be have. you kidding me? That no. is the exact reason I called. Are you kidding me? I was just going to make that damn joke. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold on, hold on. Let's pretend I didn't just say that. Why, hello, how can I help you, sir? Oh, I called up to uh, comment on Jim Roof's pants catching on fire. Yes, please tell and me. And nobody, nobody made the joke that... Uh, I can't believe anybody made was, the roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. It never even occurred to me until I was reading my email last night. And damn, was, damn, damn. Well, That's the reason I call. I wish I could have been the first caller today. Uh, minds that are I not, broke the streak. Minds that are not mine think alike, sir. <laughs> Thanks, Rick. Thank you, my friend. Yeah, you can go to uh, rickemerson.com and you can see a picture of Jim Roop's pants, which I believe Sarah identified as having been purchased originally in 1989. Uh, and you can also hear the audio of him doing that report for somebody else and then, I don't know, being caught ablaze. Uh, let me do a couple uh, pieces. When are we taking our first guest? Okay, yeah, we got a break in like three minutes, but let me read a couple of things here and then we'll break. Um, I have not posted this yet. I will do it during the break. I almost feel like I ought to save this because we have a Britney watch coming up uh, later on. I almost feel like I ought to save this, but I'll just say, uh, let's see, this is from 
Who is this from? I was going to say. Rick, unless you covered it on uh, yesterday's show, to which I have not yet listened, Brittany has posed for the French Maxim magazine. And somebody did wonders with her photos, making her hot as balls once again. So I actually was going to post this on my blog without actually saying who it was. I was going to sort of do a whole, do you know who this is? Because I have to tell you, have you seen the photos I'm talking about? Have you seen the photos of of for, for the French version of Maxim? No. Okay, I gotta I gotta get it posted during the break because I will tell you, I don't think I would really ever have pegged that it was Britney Spears had this guy not told me that it was her because it doesn't look anything like her. Let me um, hold on. Let me let me log and I'll actually just hit publish while we're doing this here and I'll just go ahead and stick it up. And I think actually the way I'd written it in my blog was you know like who is this a photo of? Um, but it is Britney Spears, which it doesn't look anything like her. And I mean, I mean that in a good way, incidentally. So uh, in just a second, you'll be able to go to it's labeled Visual Aid uh, for Friday's show. Visual Aid for Friday's show, and it's going to be the the primary, the first blog entry uh, when you go there in just one second. So hold off on going to RickEmerson.com, and I'll, I will push the publish button right now. All right. So you'll be able to go there in like ten seconds and check that out. Uh, what else? I think that might be it. I think that might be it. Oh, except that somebody wants to know if we'd like to interview the Jets. The Jets, who had one hit uh, like 29 years ago uh, in Utah. So the answer to that is no. All right, I think we're going to take a break. We'll come back after this. Here is what's coming up around the corner. Uh, we will have CNN Radio correspondent Mark Shearer. Later on, Ed McCarthy, James Roop, Scott Daly, and all that. It is the Rick Emerson Radio The Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. All right, so now I think we have confirmed from independent sources. You can go to rickemerson.com, by the way, and see this photo of Brittany that I'm talking about. Well, well A, two things. A, I was going to say that despite whatever the provenance of this photo, wherever it came from, it doesn't look like her. But maybe that's because now when I think of Brittany, I just sort of picture her to Carl's Jr. drive through sucking down a strawberry milkshake and getting fatter by the second. So... This whoever this is in this photo is actually attractive, although she does seem to have there's like a, a tattoo of some kind toward her uh, area. She's had that for years. Really? Mm-hmm. All right. So Sarah immediately spotted that this photo is from like four or five years ago. I think yeah. Uh, I think Todd was right. 2003. And from it's actually not even from. I mean it's on the cover of the French Maxim, um, but which I believe is called Maxima. Uh, but uh, but it's actually not even a Maxim photo. It was originally from some Rolling Stone photo shoot five years ago. So how sad, A, that they would still be wanting to put Britney Spears on the cover of their magazine. Maybe the news hasn't reached France yet. Maybe it's getting there to be a semaphore or something. And B... Well, hell, don't they still put, like, Michael Jackson on the front of their magazine? Jerry Lewis is a genius. So B, that they had to get a, a photograph from another magazine. And C, that they had to get a photograph from another magazine from half a decade ago to find one of Britney Spears in which she still looked good. So I just weep for all of us. Anyway. Uh, let me just, we're going to get Mark Shearer here in just a moment. Before we do that, uh, I have to read this one brief email, and because I mentioned our good friend, uh, Todd the Corpse, who does, who does send us some fantastic emails. I, people will email me sometimes, and they will, they'll send me something, and I meet, you know, I, I read it, but I don't get a chance to read it on the air, or I read it on the air, but I don't get a chance to reply to it, and, uh, you know, I mean, not to be all about the, the glory of us, but all, all of us here, we all get our fair share of emails, so a lot of it doesn't get replied to. But his, his are always fantastic, 
And he does have some of the best and worst luck in terms of this program. Uh, case in point, now, you know, yesterday we read this horrific email about a black widow spider. And essentially, I will boil it down for you. The story we had yesterday involved a guy drinking out of a garden hose because he'd been doing a lot of yard work and was very thirsty. He's drinking out of the garden hose, feels what he describes as a bunch of uh, oh no 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 sticks, twigs, stems. stems. Feels something like a bunch of stems in his mouth. Says, hey, what are these stems in my mouth? Spits them out. Not so much a, a bunch of stems as it was a black widow spider he had inadvertently uh, hosed into his mouth. Uh, and then horror ensued. So I'm just going to read this email, and then we'll talk to Mark Shearer. Todd the Corp says, Rick, this is a true story about yesterday's program. I had a dental appointment yesterday, and like every one of my visits to the dentist, I demanded a radio and headphones so I didn't have to hear the awful scraping noise of them cleaning my teeth. They had their various tools, picks, spit-suck vacuum, and fingers in my mouth when this story happened. After three days of teasing, you decided to read, quote, the worst email ever, end quote. As the story of the young lad and his garden hose unfolded, I could not help but be hyper-aware of the feelings of foreign objects prodding my teeth and gums. Then the hideous payoff, the guy actually drinking in a huge black widow. At this point, the dentist was scraping the bottom edge of one of my teeth, just along the gum line. I made an audible noise because of your story, and she looked at me with much confusion. I just told her I needed to take a minute to gather myself together. I asked for some water to rinse my mouth out, and then I just clamped onto the spit-suck vacuum, trying to rid my mouth of everything in it, just to be sure it was free of spiders and insects. Thanks for the show, Todd. No, sir. Thank you. Let's uh, welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show uh, from New York City. CNN radio correspondent extraordinaire, Mark Shearer. Hello, sir. Hey, I want to clear something up from yesterday. Oh, God. Now, see, okay, go ahead. You, you, you think I pissed yourself, you yesterday. <laughs> you told me about riding to work on your bicycle and freezing your ears off, talking about how the cilia in your ears froze. And I said, that's the silliest thing I've ever heard. And I got it, and I guess he didn't. Let me, let me ask Whoosh, you. Right over his head. Whoosh. Let me ask you this. I, okay, I will apologize in just one second. In fact, I'll apologize now briefly. Sorry. I will give an expanded apology here in just a moment. Let me ask you, uh, you have a question in the comment here. The question is this. Have you been obsessing about slash stewing on this since yesterday? Uh, no, you know what? It just occurred when I was told I had to give you guys a call today. Like, oh, had to. <laughs> when I was going to be forced at gunpoint to talk to your alleged radio program, Rick. That's kind of how it works, yeah. Um, I will say this, just so we can clear up any conclusion, uh, confusion about this. I, I did not get the pun, um, but everybody not named Rick Emerson got it. Sarah got it. Tim got it. Phone screener got it. And any number of listeners. How about we got a, an email? Uh, I read this earlier in today's program from a guy named Brian. Just so you know, I actually have been referencing this on and off for about 40 minutes today. Uh, this email says, Rick, you know, Mark Shearer wasn't being rude. He was joking along with you. You made a comment about your cilia freezing, and he said that's the silliest thing I've ever heard as a play on words. Now say the words out loud, Rick. Then call Mark on the phone and apologize for being a dick. So I apologize for being a jerk, sir. I, uh, it, you know, the thing is, for a guy who makes a lot of puns, which I do, I'm terrible at actually spotting them sometimes. Uh, and, and so people will use sort of a play on words or they do some sort of unique or funny or comedic phrasing. And, man, it just goes right over my hair. I mean, I just get nothing. So I apologize. Here's what I thought was happening. This sounds like I'm at some encounter group session where my shrink is going to tell me to hit a pillow. Here's what I thought happened yesterday. 
I had told this story about being on the way to work uh, and about how I forgot the sort of headband thing that wraps around my ear, sort of a, an ear muffler kind of a thing. Um, and, you know, this is very cold. Not New York City cold, perhaps, but, uh, you know, the bar is set differently here in Portland. And I was on the way to work, and I felt really cold, and the silly in my ear were sort of shivering, and I was just thinking, this is a bad idea. And then you said, that's the silliest thing I've ever heard. Everyone else in the world heard, hey, listen to that Mark Shearer. Sass that hoopy Mark Shearer from CNN. Listen to that great pun he just made. Here's what I heard. I heard, Mark Shearer thinks that I'm a wimp and a sissy. Mark Shearer is diminishing my pain and ridiculing the fact that I was chilled by the relatively balmy Portland winter. So I thought you were just calling me out as being less than a man. And so there was just this long pause where I didn't really know what to say, and then we just sort of boldly plunged on ahead to the awkwardness and discomfort of everyone. Yeah, and, and what, what did the guy say? It was a great pun. Isn't that, isn't that a contradiction in terms? No, it was not. A, we appreciate puns here in a sort of awful sense. You know what a pun is sort of like? A pun is like either a a, a a food that you simultaneously love and yet hate yourself for loving, like maybe a spray on cheese or a tin of sardines. Or Safeway Chinese food. Safeway Chinese food, also that, yes. Um, or you could take it the other way. A pun, the other th the thing that a pun is, or, or like when you're standing in front of the refrigerator naked at 2 a.m. just spraying a ready whip into your mouth. That's kind of what a pun is like here. Or perhaps when you're in second grade and you've got a loose tooth, and when you wiggle the loose tooth, it is simultaneously pleasing and uncomfortable and sort of weird. That's kind of how puns are on this program, my friend. Guilty pleasure. Okay, so please please don't take any offense. I, I didn't catch your humor. That is, a, as they say, that's an MP, not a YP, Mark Shearer. Well, you know... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for following that, but just another sort of a charity laugh yeah. there. I appreciate that. Thanks. All right. Well, it went over my head, the that's, MPY. That's okay. Um, let's just take a breath here to recollect our, you know, to collect ourselves and just sort of settle in. Just one yeah, second. Yeah, we're going to do, I think we're going to do one of those dreadful segues that they do on the news all along, you know, all the time. You know, hey, we're having a lot of fun here. You know, you're making me feel better with every passing moment. Okay, let me engage dreadful hack segue DJ mode. Sounds like we should hug through the phone. Now, I, it's also very, that's okay. You know, someday I'll be dead and none of this will be an issue. Um, I, I do actually, while we have you on the phone, I am actually curious about something. I re really booked you largely so I can apologize for the yesterday thing. But I did actually, my eye did happen to land on a story where they said, I always want to be in these studies. Research from Cornell Medical Center, which I swear to God, I don't know how much time they spent doing this or how much money it cost to institute and perfect the study. But they just did some massive study into napping at work. Which is just fantastic. And I always wonder how they recruit people like that. Where they find, I mean, is it all just college kids or is it just some guy that, you know, is reeking of Mad Dog 2020 down on a street corner somewhere? Um, but. I don't, have, I don't have a lot of details on the, um, the people that were involved in the study, but I do know that part of the study involved the subjects uh, performing arithmetic tasks. So it couldn't have been little tots. Um, but, it, you know, I don't know the age range, but, but I, it, it, it is an interesting study. But there was some study that said that napping actually makes you perform better at work, which is a thing that I have known, and I think actually some of like the Mexican culture, you know, with the siesta and the Spanish culture with the siesta. And Any culture. The, the, I mean, the, well, I mean but, but it is more so, I think, in the, I think in the Latin world, the siesta or the little sleep in the middle of the day or is... The tropical world where the temperatures are well, yeah, it's, it's like inclined. It's like a thousand degrees outside, and you know nobody wants to go to work. Uh, I used to actually have a job where I could go home at around one thirty in the afternoon, and I would get like a good twenty-five minute nap, and then I would go back to work. 
And I I used to work uh, at a company that I had started with some friends of mine. And there was this period of time where we were going to institute a siesta. We were actually going to have, like, if you called the office between, like, 1.30 and 2.15, Monday through Friday, the receptionist would answer the phone and she would announce that no one was really able to take your call because we were enjoying a company-wide siesta, but that you should call back after 2.15 Mountain Time. I want to work there. We didn't really do it, but I'm glad to see that there is a scientific basis to my need to sleep in the middle of the day. Yep, and it comes from the Cornell Medical Center, and um, they found that uh, not only does napping help you, uh, you know, I, you know, it's funny. A lot of people say they feel really groggy after a, a midday nap. Um, I have my own technique for avoiding that, by the way. Uh, put something on in the background, the radio, TV, some music, and I find it keeps me from falling into a deep sleep. Here's the thing I've discovered, and this is my own nap observation. What I have found is if you make yourself a strong cup of coffee when you're really exhausted, the deal is you drink the coffee and then you fall asleep because caffeine takes about 25 minutes to work its way through your system. So you get a 25-minute nap, and then by the time and when you do actually wake up, the caffeine is actually just about to be in full force. So it's the best of all possible worlds. Brilliant. I'm going to try that. There you go, sir. Big plans for this weekend? A lot of napping. Okay, excellent. Thank you. All right, and my apologies again for the pun misunderstanding yesterday. Pleasure was all mine. All right, thank you, sir. There you go. All right, that's Mark Shearer. I don't... I don't. That didn't go so well. Well, it's not that it went badly. I just can't get a read on that guy. He just you talk too much for him? There's just sort of a... I, I guess, but I mean... You heard that guy. What's the alternative? Just there's a whole lot of... Well, here I am, Rick. Mark Shearer. Hi. I there's there's nowhere to go otherwise. I uh I would have nothing. Yeah, good job. Okay. Ooh, right. another CNN correspondent. Let's see if I maybe I can insult. A plethora. Him. All right. Uh this is uh, Ed McCarthy. Ladies and gentlemen, let us now welcome to the Rick Emerson show from Boston, where everybody is jubilant and intoxicated on something or other. CNN Radio correspondent Ed McCarthy. Hello, sir. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm in Denver. Just arrived here. Just oh, that's arrived. right. So when, so is it the first two games were uh, back east? The, uh, the third game is, is in Colorado? That's right. That'll be tomorrow night. Uh, we got tomorrow, Sunday, and Monday. And then... Uh... Hello? Oh, it's the Ed. best day ever. <laughs> this is a fantastic You're the one day. who jinxed us. You're like, oh, the call sets the tone for the show. Well, I, that's not even really me. That's just quoting Donna Mike. But... Okay, thanks. <laughs> He's a long-time listener, many-time caller. <laughs> uh, do I want to pick this up? Thanks. Well, give it again to the Rick Emerson Show. See you in a radio correspondent. Hello. Hello there. I'm Hi. sorry about that. That's okay. How you doing? Are you calling from an actual phone or from a, a studio somewhere? Actually, no. I just arrived. I just uh, just got here to Denver, so I'm on uh, on a cell phone. So I hey, apologize. What is that? To, I've never been through the Denver airport. Is it the weird space age monstrosity that everybody depicts it as being? Yeah, it's a big tent. You know, it's the big uh, the big top when you go in there, and uh, you know they they had so much trouble with that baggage uh, system when they first started. It seems to be working much better now. It's a very nice airport, uh, very easy to find your way around. It's huge. Now, is but, it, uh, this is uh, I'm sorry, I mean to step in there. Is it is it true when you walk, when you get off the plane because you're coming from Boston, and I don't know what the relative elevation of Boston is, but when you get off the plane in Denver, which is the mile high city, is it is it a noticeable because it was this way for me in Salt Lake. Is it a noticeable yeah. feeling that the, 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 the hum, 
humidity and the uh, oxygen are different there? Yeah, I knew you were going to ask that because uh, I was thinking that when I got in this super shuttle uh, to get to the air, uh, the hotel here where I just arrived. And, uh, yeah, absolutely, you feel it. And uh, I noticed in the lobby they have lots of bottled water there yeah. and ice. And that's good. You got you know that. My, my daughter went to uh, college out here, so we're very familiar with uh, with how it is. And gee, I remember skiing out here, and I fell down, and it was like I've fallen and I can't get up. I got to tell you, uh, when I moved from Washington State to Salt Lake City, everybody kind of told me they're like, hey, that you know the climate in Salt Lake City is going to completely screw you up. And I didn't really know what they were talking about. But man, I went to Salt Lake City, and uh, I mean, look, I'm a 34 year old man, and my voice still sometimes cracks even now. Um, when I when I lived in Salt Lake City, uh, you know, I, I couldn't get through a show, an hour of my radio show, uh, show without my voice kind of doing this all the because you just get so dehydrated. Uh, you know, it's, you're nine million feet above sea level. Basketball teams would come to Utah to play the Utah Jazz, and they would stay in Park City, which has an even higher elevation because they were desperately trying to compensate for the fact that that it just it completely screws with your metabolism. So yeah, it does. So Boston, so they, you know, the Boston's got to be, uh, you know, aware of that. That there is certainly a, uh, there's a, a metabolic effect that it has on you when you play in that in, in that city. And that's true. And I'm not sure. I have to check the records and see uh, how many times the Red Sox have been out here. I really don't think they've been out here an awful lot. So you know, that's true. It'll uh, there could be a big difference. You know, they you win two in Boston. That might not mean much if uh, Rockies come back home and you're dealing with this. What's the, you know, what is the general vibe? Uh, do you think that you know, that the team has? What is it, how are the Rockies feeling right now? Because they were doing that, you know, 21 out of 22 or 22 out of 23, and then just to get crushed in the first one, and then just you know be beaten in the second one right out of the gate. Yeah, well, that's true. You know, they got a run on an error, and that's the only run they got. So their hitting production <laughs> hasn't been much. Uh, the Red Sox Jeez. really were, you know, clawing to get to, to that victory last night. So, you know, they're still hanging in there, hanging. You know, you're back home here. You're back in Denver, and uh, things can change. You're in your own ballpark. So I really think that they'll, they're will they not going to get swept. I can, I can tell you that right now. And who knows? They've got a great opportunity with three games here in Denver to, to tie the series and, you know, send it back to Boston. Now, a lot of those Boston fans are saying, you know, I wouldn't mind if it came back here because I don't want it to end. It's funny sure. how the World Series kind of defines baseball season. It's the end of the season, and uh, a lot of these baseball fans just get withdrawal. Yeah, absolutely. All right, my friend. Well, uh, well, stay hydrated and enjoy the game, and we will uh, talk to you next week, undoubtedly. Thank you so much, Rick. Absolutely. CNN radio correspondent Ed McCarthy in Denver, home of Mile High Comics. All right. I don't know what's going on with somebody else trying to call us. I have no idea. I don't know either. How you doing? How's your Better day? than you. I'm fantastic. <laughs> I'm okay. You know what it is? I'm playing through the pain. This is but triumph. there should be no pain. It's Friday. I'm... We played a clip from Almost Famous. You talked to two wonderful CNN correspondents. No, it's true. And we had, uh, you know, I'm not going to obsess on the first call. I'm just going to say this. I hate to keep doing this because it sounds like as one of my old consultants. But, um, Rick, what you should never do, it, you have all the talent in the world. There is no need to make fun of a caller um, after uh, they have hung up. Uh, you don't want to do that. That's... Uh, that's something you don't want to do. Well, you mean Dennis Miller does when he like listens to someone's question and then he puts them on hold and, he's, yeah. and he won't let them rebut at all? <laughs> totally. Um, let's see. We've got this. Rick, hey, about that furry. Isn't this call supposed to be taken at 2.58? Isn't it supposed to go on for 15 minutes? Uh, and then finally this. Um, this, I think, may be it. 
Ellen says, I missed the tale, ha-ha, end of the call between the, uh, between the furry guy, but I suspect he was trying really hard not to say, I find drawings of anthropomorphic animals to be really hot. Because that really is, and again, please understand, I am no prude. It's a big, you know, it's a, it's a big world with a, a large tent, as the Republicans would say. Uh, people are into all kinds of different things. I pass no judgment. Uh, you know, we had the, you know, a friend James who came in here, who's, uh, you know, he's a fur and he wears the whole costume and whatever. Not my deal. Doesn't have to be my deal. But for the guy to call up and go, look, I'm, I'm not a furry. I don't wear the costume. I find that to be really weird. Or no, he said he was a furry, but he didn't wear the costume. So he was like kind of talking down to people who did. Yeah, and so and I don't know anybody who wears the costume. I don't wear the costume because that's just strange. Uh, But he was calling up to defend the travel lodge bear. So I am guessing if you go to the guy's house, there are a lot of photos of sexy, sexy woodland creatures. Uh, You know, like maybe a like maybe some, you know, like some female elk wearing a push-up bra, like a really meticulously done watercolor. Okay, that's enough detail. Painted in the blood of local children. Uh, all right, we should take a break here. We'll come back after this. It's 503-733. Thank you. Uh, you're a good person, sir. All right. Uh, a little bit of uh, breaking music news on the other side, too. You stay there. Be back after this. It is the Rick Emerson radio program. Really? I've seen all good people turn their heads each day so we can play tennis Am I being punished for something? We can have all almost famous soundtrack all the time today. I suppose. It really has to be said that this is the worst song ever. Really? No, it's not. But yes, it's a terrible band. This is an awful band. Don't give and I don't spare me the emails. Take a Like this song. Because it's by Yes. Okay. That's okay. No, don't get me. Cameron Crow and I diverge, and not everybody has to like the same thing. Uh, Cameron Crow and I overlap a lot in our music taste, but he and I, and I think it, I don't know if it's a generational thing, whatever, but there's some divergence. He has a little bit, he has a taste for, for a little progressive rock sometimes, where I do not. This is on the soundtrack. Can I, I just, love the progressive rock. Can I just say this? Let me just say, uh, this is the last comment I'll make about Almost Famous for at least five minutes. I remember seeing that movie in the theater, uh, I think even before it opened, I think it was on the, the preview Thursday, I saw Almost Famous, because I've been so excited about it, because I'm a big fan of Cameron Crowe's, and obviously I know what a big fan of music he is, and I knew that if anybody was ever going to make this movie, Cameron Crowe was the person to make it. And I knew, as, as over the top as this sounds, this is the movie he was born to make, Almost Famous. I don't care what he does ever again. It's not that I don't care, I'm just saying this is all he ever needed to do. He had me at this movie. Even if everything he makes until the end of time is terrible, even if you were to wipe clean from the slate his earlier films, Almost Famous is all the guy ever had to do to make me a fan of his for life. It, it, it almost famous opens with a shot of the beach where Lara and I used to uh, we used to live right by that beach uh, when they're walking out of the movie theater at the beginning uh, uh, when uh, um, when uh, William Miller is walking out of the movies with Francis McDormand Lara and I lived right there uh, and we used to go to that movie theater we used to go to that beach so that whole opening sequence where they're playing the chipmunk song is right where Lara and I had lived which is great um, and then you fast forward about 15 minutes to that scene where Do- uh, Zoe Deschanel she puts on that the, the Simon and Garfunkel mm-hmm. record, America. America. Oh. And I'm like, that's it. I'm like, it was like it's like 14 minutes of the film. I'm like, this is the best movie I've ever seen already. So there you go. Uh, 
I had that song on cassette. Really? Oh, it's just great. I mean, it's a movie made by a true believer. Uh, before we go to the Ministry of Truth, let me just say this, a little breaking musical news. See if you can uh, get the linguistic pun that I'm going to try to have to... I'm going to have to convey this orally. The corn concert has been canceled due to... I don't know, I was trying to... What a calamity? Something. Okay, spin it Some out. sort of chaos within the... I got nothing. I don't know why. Uh, the corn con- If you were going to the corn concert uh, this weekend... No. So there you go. Here's Jim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Well, maybe that's enough time to fix the backwards R in their name. See you, kids. Time to take a perfunctory lesson in grammar. I, I don't know why that is. Apparently, uh, refunds are available at uh, the, because KUFO is actually doing a whole thing with that. So, uh, as a CBS employee, let me pass along that apparently uh, refunds are available at point of purchase. So, the corn concert, which is going to be taking uh, taking place this weekend on the 28th, uh, that's not happening so much as it's uh, it's not happening. So, there you go. All right. So much for that. There's a phone ringing in the studio. I know it's driving me insane. I don't know why that is. Well, I'll just have to speak through the pain. Hold on a second. All right. I wonder who it's calling. Well, they stopped. All right. I think Sarah took care of that. There's a phone. You know what it is? There's a phone in the corner of the studio that never rings. And the fact that it was ringing just now is sort of unnerving because you know what that's like? That's like that red phone that sits right on the... But it keeps ringing. It's like the, it's the phone on Henry Fonda's desk in failsafe. Mm. When, you, you know, when that rings, that means that the missiles are in the air and the Soviet premiere is on the phone. All right. Here's Tim Riley. Well, a Portland police officer has admitted to grouping several women. They're not very good-looking ones. <laughs> uh, he admitted to, uh, before a judge this morning that he touched several women inappropriately under the guise of needing to search them. Matthew Crumkey is a nine-year police veteran. Officer Crumkey? Are you kidding me? No. <laughs> okay. He submitted was... his letter of resignation. He'll lose his police certificate and face a 24-month probation. Have to do 40 hours of community service and pay a $500 fine. And so, but what did he tell? Okay, these are these are other female officers he was touching. No, they're just uh, or just run of the mill, you know, chicks. I mean, were these suspects? No, no. Well, yeah, he said. Uh, let's see, he pleaded uh, two counts of official misconduct for asking two women to show him their underwear during a traffic stop. Under what guise? As a police officer. But I mean, what, like, what, what what reason did he give? It's an underwear check. I'm sorry, I'll need to search you. For a vagina. Uh, let's see. A Multnomah County uh, deputy, also a last November, pled guilty to harassment for touching a woman on her thigh during a traffic stop. Officer Crumkey? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Fine. Fine. No longer an officer. I'm No, but it, it just seems like there ought to be some sort of musical joke there. I could, uh... So then a woman also said the officer uh, reached down her uh, pants in early 2006. I'm sorry. I've when he seen wanted to... to search for drugs and weapons. <laughs> I was gonna drop my... I've lost my car keys. Hold on. Let me. Uh, I do have to check every conceivable place. Okay. So that's that. You want to be able to say you've looked everywhere for them. Uh, so the mayor walked out of a meeting last night after being told uh, probably they won't change the name of Interstate Avenue to uh, Cesar Chavez Avenue, at least for a while. Maybe several months. Maybe not ever. So that was that. Uh, a Douglas County man has been shot by his dog. You see, Eddie Moss was sitting in his old pickup truck about five miles up Fate Creek Road with a loaded rifle lying across his lap. Was his wife there? No, without his wife. Okay. What about kids? Uh, yeah. This is when another fellow named Darren Zalewski walked up 
to the driver's side door and, and started ratchet jarring with Eddie Moss. <laughs> uh, Moss's dog, who was in the cab, reportedly stepped on the rifle, causing it to charge through the driver's door, striking Zanuski in the left arm. Is he okay? I haven't gotten that far yet. Oh. Uh, Mr. Moss administered uh, first aid and drove the stricken man to a doctor in Canyonville. Uh, he was treated at the doctor's office and transported to Mercy Medical Center in Roseburg. Though not illegal, it is not recommended to have a loaded rifle inside the cab of your vehicle. <laughs> Make sure the muzzle is pointed in the safe direction. <laughs> really? Do you think? The dog won't be punished. Uh, of course it was, not. It's just overexcited. Maybe the dog realized it had an irresponsible owner and was just sort of trying to advance this story to its logical end. News from the Cove. If you're driving there at night, make sure you're wearing your seatbelt. In an effort to increase nighttime seatbelt use and reduce collision industries and deaths among nighttime drivers, uh, the cops in the coup will be out in force in the next few weeks. The fatality rate is much higher at night in the coup for some reason. And one of the perks of uh, parking in downtown Vancouver, there are many we know. Uh, uh, one is coming to an end next week. Those in the know could get 20 minutes of free parking by turning the parking meter handle a full revolution. But the individual meters on Broadway are going to be replaced by pay stations, which haven't been set up to have free parking anymore. The pay stations are similar to the ones in Portland with paper slips. Uh, the new machines will take Visa and MasterCard in addition to coins. I will say this. That is one of the greatest innovations, uh, municipally speaking, uh, of my lifetime. Is the, And they don't have it everywhere. And i got to tell you this. i got to hand it to Portland sometimes because they do have... Uh, there are there are things about the parking situation in this city which are completely and totally screwed. Like going downtown. I was just going to say that going downtown. Trying oh, what, to, a, what a great day for the reopening of Macy's. Trying to navigate. I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure Macy's is really happy about that. I mean, you know, there's a long have, line there though. There must have been high. But, I don't mean any disrespect to Macy's, and I'm, they're a fine. Uh, they're the, better than Myron Frank. Now, I'm unclear about the difference between the two. And I service, guess, friendlier employees, people happier to be there. Are you reading this off some sort of employee manifest? No, I've been there, and I had nothing but trouble with Myron Frank, especially with their phony Christmas sales. We'll bill you three months from now. Sure you will. <laughs> Next week, the bill is in the mail. Pay this right now. <laughs> Excellent. Well, okay, so there you go. So it's not just that they're not just uh, it's not just a branding thing where they're sticking the Macy's sign out front, but it's the same everything inside. It, it feels like a, more of an upper-class store, the Myron Frank. Okay. They're keeping the undesirables out. Um, at least the, uh, the one at the streets of Tannisport is nice. I go to that. Of course. The, uh, the I have to say, because I actually tried to go uh, to the uh, the Macy's downtown the other day, but it was closed. Yeah. Well, today is the grand reopening. Well, see, here's the thing, because now see, I'm, I'm pulling, I'm breaking, not the fourth wall. I'm doing a thing. I forget what it is I'm doing. But I'm trying to find uh, Sarah's late birthday present. And Sarah, uh, God bless her, had just told me what she wanted. Sarah's like, I want to, she's like, I want the same money clip uh, that you use. So I have this fantastic Kenneth Cole money clip that I use. Oh, but they you don't, carry cash? Uh, I, yes, I do, Tim. All right. Some of, and you ride a bike? Can never, you can never tell, you can never tell when Myron Frank's going to suddenly bill you for something. That, that is true. Um, so, but I have this, but they don't, I can't find this anywhere, and I got it at Myron Frank. And so I'm going to have to go check Macy's and see if they stock it in it because I don't know where else to get it. So, mm. And the other money clips suck. They're all inferior. This is, the, this is the only good one I've ever had, which is why I love it so much. So anyway, but it was closed. I wonder how many conversations were taking place between Macy's and the city of Portland, though, just trying to get some of that construction taken. They've got the moat dug around the store. Well, Jesus, they've got to be completely unhappy about that. Yeah. 
I mean, there's just nowhere to park down there unless you want to pay like nine dollars an hour in some of those garages. I will say uh, that the the, the the you know the automated pay station where you put the credit card or your coins or whatever in and it spits out the thing which you can then use to move from one parking space to another. That is fantastic, but it does bring into stark relief the frustration you feel everywhere else. I mean, that's. It's like cleaning one spot on a window. Suddenly, the rest of the window looks filthy. Everywhere you go in Portland now, if it's if they either don't have one of those pay stations, if it's an old-fashioned parking meter, or if they've just got those goddamn red hoods on the parking meter, which are there for no reason. It just fills you with... It's not even disproportionate. It's completely proportionate anger. It looks like something they put on the prisoners at Guantanamo Bay. Seriously, look, I'm going to have to beat you in the scrotum now. Please put this on. We do not torture here. So, anyway, so there's that whole thing. and it, You know, whatever. Oh, but I did have this experience a while back, and I didn't know how to handle this. I was actually trying to park downtown. This was probably two, three months ago. Mm-hmm. And there's one of those automated pay stations. So I, uh, you know, I, I, I put in the coins or, you know, whatever it is. And then I press the, you know, and it says, press button to print ticket or whatever. And I press it, and inside I hear this, and it tries to print, but it was clearly out of paper. Oh. And so my whole thing, well, what what do you do? Like, what are you supposed to do then? Can you just leave your car parked there if the pay station is out of tickets, if it's, if it's out of the, the sticky paper you put on your window? I've never had that happen to me before. I just I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, what if I get a ticket? I'm like, well, I might be able to go to court and, and bitch about it and say that they were out of paper. But I mean, how are you going to prove that? You have to. You would have to assume that there was some kind of computer record that, that they can refer to that will show that the machine was out of paper and that you made a good faith effort to right. try to pay. The same thing happens on the Max. If both ticket machines are out. At least one's out everywhere. Yeah, so what do you do with that? And so I eventually chickened out. I just I just got in my car and drove away because I want to get like the $35 ticket. So yeah. I have no idea how to handle that. I am making a note to myself and find out the answer to that. Here's Tim Riley. Now, you're Senator Ron Wyden and his lovely wife Nancy have become the parents of twins a little more than an hour ago. Uh, one is named Ava Rose. The other is named William Peter. Uh, let's talk about the mob. Apparently, it is in a widespread decline. And a lot of people are worried about it. It might not be around very much longer. The mob's frailties were evident in Chicago, where three senior citizen mobsters were locked up for murders committed a generation ago. In Florida, where a 97-year-old mafioso with a rap sheet dating back to the days of Lucky Luciano. Where? Up Florida. Ah, damn it. Oh, and my pot's down. So this 97-year-old uh, mafioso with a rap sheet dating back to the days of Lucky Luciano was in prison for racketeering. I love the sound of those crimes. Uh, you know, racketeering is one of those things like, uh, terrific. Out, uh, I think at, at one point Eazy-E was charged with aggravated menacing, which is a thing I would love to be charged with. Racketeering has a great sort of linguistic sound to it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Somebody should create a list of words that mean unpleasant things, but which linguistically sound wonderful. You know what I mean? A word that is sort of pretty sounding, even though what it describes is bad. Now, things are so bad that uh, former mobster John Gotti chose to quit the mob after serving five years in prison, rather than to return to his old job. At the mob's peak in the late 1950s, more than two dozen families operated nationwide. Disputes were settled by the commission, a sort of gangland Supreme Court. The commission. Uh, corporate change came in a spray of gunfire. This was the mob this of the Godfather. So great. Where are you reading this from? Uh, I just made it up. No, it's from the AP. <laughs> that, what did, read that sentence again. At the mob's peak of the late 1950s, more than two dozen families operated nationwide. Dispute, disputes were settled by the commission, a sort of gangland Supreme Court. Corporate change came in a spray of gunfire. That's a beautiful sentence. This was the mob of the Godfather, celebrated in pop culture. 
Today, mafia families in former strongholds like Cleveland, L.A., and Tampa all gone. Uh, La Cosa Nostra, our thing, as it initiates uh, Call the Mop, is in serious decline everywhere but New York City. Even there, things aren't so great. Two of New York's five top crime families are run in, in absentia by bosses behind like bars. Like Clear Channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, mob executions are a blast in the past. The last uh, boss whacked was the Gambino's Big Paul Castellano back in 1985. New York's last mob shooting war occurred in 1991. And in Chicago, home of the 1929 St. Valentine's Day Massacre, the last hit linked to the outfit went down in the mid-1990s. And the mob's ruling commission has not met in years. I don't even really care that Membership much about the mob. is declining. It's time to sign up now. Oh, yeah, but this, this story is so wonderfully written. It is. That's fantastic. But it doesn't mean the mob is dead. Organized crime experts say the Italian mob is seriously wounded, shot in the foot by its own loudmouth members, bloodied by scores of convictions, and crippled by a loss of veteran leaders and a dearth of capable replacements. That's all you get for now. All right, there we go. Corporate changes came in a spray of gunfire. Hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey. Hey, uh, as far as the uh, parking meter being out of uh, paper, yeah. just go just go to the one down the block. Uh, no, this actually, this is a funny story. I actually had to go to three of them. The first one was out of paper. The second one was out of paper because I think everybody... You know, everybody who parked there had the same thing happen. Everybody went to use it. It was out of paper, and so everybody walked down the street to use the next one, thus resulting in that one being out of paper. I actually had to go two blocks down, two machines away, to find one that actually had the paper. My whole question is, if you put money in, or even because it'll take credit cards, I think, if you put in a credit card, thus being able to prove via a paper trail from your credit card company that you did buy or attempt to buy a parking uh, pass at that time, and it's out of paper, uh, can you be ticketed for it? Well, I would think you'd be good at that point, especially if you've got, you know, your uh, your bank statement or whatever yeah. that uh, shows that you made it. Also, uh, your Kenneth Cole money clip. Yes. Check eBay. Oh, that's true. And probably Kenneth Cole has a website uh, that, I could, uh, that I could go to as well. Yeah, best show ever. Right. Thank you. You bet. All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, you know, this is going to happen. We discussed this the other day. At least five major accidents involving cars and bikes in the past two weeks in Portland. And some people saying it's time for action. So who steps into action? I guess there's only one person working in politics. Sam Adams, apparently. Really? all the name recognition. He's holding a meeting, and it begins in uh, 12 minutes <laughs> at okay. City Hall. Maybe I'll not go. To talk about uh, what can we do to save uh, people on bikes, okay. if anything at all. Then we have a 26-year-old Daniel Martinez apparently had too much to drink after he broke into a Virginia restaurant last night. When an employee arrived to open up this morning, he saw the man passed out in a dumpster with his arms around a whiskey bottle belonging to the restaurant. Several other bottles of liquor were lying nearby. Liquor. The offender is being charged with breaking entry and larceny. Being held out bail, too. Well, the Six Pistols made a brief but memorable stop in L.A. yesterday before heading out for a reunion tour in Britain next month. They played an hour-long set in front of about 500 fans crammed inside the Roxy, featuring almost their songs, including Anarchy in the U.K. and God Save the Queen. However, the show was not all punk rock, nostalgia, and glory. A singer, John Lydon, forgot the words to the very first song of the night, Holiday in the Sun, while simultaneously struggling with the acoustics and the heat. A 51-year-old, yes, 51-year-old performer, was dressed in Indian kurta, tartan pants, and a blue vest, and was chugging a bottle of red wine. At one point, a fan jumped onto the stage and hugged the band's guitarist, Steve Jones, to which Lydon commented that Steve Jones always gets the fat ones. But the night wasn't over yet, 
As Lydon decided he needed to take a quick bathroom break, returning later on 15 pounds lighter. The antics uh, eventually came to an end after Lydon was smacked in the face with a drink. He quickly lost his temper and threatened to harm the coward if he found him. The Six Pistols were inducted in the Rock and Roll Hollywood uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame last year, but did not show up, sending an obnoxious note in their place. Uh, why, hello, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, hey, Rick. Hello. Uh, the funniest thing in uh, slapping Roop around town when he was here. Oh, this is, uh, Brad, so yeah, you were Roop's uh, driver, uh, Jim Roop, when he came here. Yeah. Uh, he was most impressed, not by the scenery and the mountains or anything else, the parking meters. The parking meters and those flex car things. He couldn't quit oh, yeah, going on about the flex car. car. <laughs> Which, you know, I mean, you could never have that in Los Angeles. Like, having some of those flex car things... I mean, you just get just be just be spray painted hubcaps by the time you got back. It's perfect, and the parking meters are actually solar powered, which is pretty cool. Here in Portland? Yeah, if you look on the top of them, they're solar panels. Okay, that's that is fantastic. Okay, I'm even, I'm doubly impressed now. And the problem with you know the idea of putting your credit card and getting a receipt, I got a ticket that I legitimately shouldn't have gotten, mm-hmm. and uh, sent my money in. It's now six months later. I finally got a hold of them, and they said, well. It takes six to nine months to refund your money. <laughs> of course it does. Yeah. Of course it does. Because they have to spend it and then borrow it back from China in the form of a bearer bond. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you. There you go, our good friend, Deb Brad, the car guy. Fantastic. All right. Here's Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. The Lumberjacks are coming back. Is everybody excited? Uh, Two days after yeah. officials yeah. announced the Portland Lumberjacks would cancel their 2008 season due to contract negotiations, an agreement has been reached. These guys play uh, lacrosse. And the Professional uh, Lacrosse Players Association has agreed to a seven-year term that begins in 2008 and runs through 2014. Yikes. The agreement marks the strongest labor deal in the 22-year history of professional indoor lacrosse. The new schedule for the 2008 National Lacrosse League season is expected to be announced next week. Uh, by the way, uh, we have an email from the guy who originally, uh, who originally sent us the Black Widow email. Uh, that has caused so much horror and consternation among members of the audience. He says, "Hey, I'm the Spider Guy, Rick. I'm the I'm the Spider Man, Cuckoo Kajub. I, uh, Rick, I'm the guy who drank the Black Widow." <laughs> it had taken years to put that incident out of my head. It all came back with your story about beetles and the drinking fountain. So I just had to spread the love. It took a while to come up with the words to describe that spider in the mouth feeling. I'm glad the mouthful of stems had the desired effect. I was surprised the spider had ever fit in the hose, by the way, let, on, uh, let alone be able to hold on inside for the water to get cold. Now I guess I will always be the Spider-Man to the Emerson crowd and have the distinction of uh, worst email ever. My mother will be proud. Yes, she will, sir. Here's Tim Riley. Oh, listen to this. Less than a week ago, shortly after he announced the president, Stephen Colbert was favored by a little more than 2% of Democrats as the favorite for the nomination. Now a uh, national report... Survey finds that he gains 13% of voters in the matchup with Rudy Giuliani and Hillary Clinton. With former Senator Fred Thompson substituting for Giuliani, the host of Comedy Central's uh, Colbert Report, he's still got 12%, and he keeps gaining over 10% a week. <laughs> he could really, 10% the, a week? Yeah. He by the end of the year, he'll be the ruler of the field planet. by November. Jesus. So that's that. In the meantime... Uh, in uh, Columbia, South Carolina this weekend, Mayor Bob Cobble will proclaim Stephen Colbert Day. Cobble says that Colbert's candidacy is a unique opportunity to put his city in the national spotlight, even though it uh, may remain the butt of some of his jokes. If we weren't made fun of, we would be the first guest or the first location that wasn't. So we, we certainly would expect that. I think that's part of the humor of it. 
Married couples say there are two sides to Colbert's candidacy. One is the humorous or satirical part, uh, the political part of actually uh, running. But for us, the Colbert Report is a national program that reaches an audience that there's no way that you know the city of Columbia could reach. And there's, I saw a big article about this this morning. The Comedy Central has all of these lawyers on staff because apparently they're... I mean, it is, it is kind of a Pat Paulson sort of a kooky gag they're doing, obviously, but apparently they're going to try to go all the way with it. Um, and I don't even, I don't know how that works in terms of like equal time laws. Does that mean that he has to? They'll have to go up the air. I, because I remember when Howard was getting ready to, when Howard was going to run for governor, or did run, I guess, for a while, when Howard was in the process of getting ready to run for governor of New York. There was this discussion that Howard wouldn't be able to be on the air, that they would actually... I think he could have gone to best ofs or reruns or something. But Howard Stern wasn't going to be able to do regular radio programming as long as he was running for governor of New York because of the equal time laws. So I guess... Oh, wait a minute. Now, cable isn't on the air. Does equal time only govern being on the airwaves? I don't know the answer to that, actually. Uh, I don't know whether... I would think it would have to be. Cable's not on the air, and you're paying for it. But it's regulated by the FCC. It is it is regulated by the Federal Communications Commission. It's just regulated. Are we really going to know these things? I I guess not. I mean, I'm on cable. What the hell do I care? Um, so I mean, I, I, cable is not regulated by, for example, the same indecency regulations right. that over the air broadcasts are. Right. But but they it's are. Broadcast. But cable is regulated by the Federal Communications Commission, just like uh, just like the, like telephones are. I mean, the telephone telephone transmissions are regulated by the FCC. Um, so I would imagine that equal time, such inside baseball, but the equal time basically means uh, that one is required to offer all political candidates the same amount of exposure, all things being equal, except when it is paid advertising. And even then, you have to offer them all the same rates, but they just buy it however they buy it. You know, somebody guy, some guy buys 100 commercials, somebody else buys 10, that's the way it is. But if you invite one political candidate on your talk program, for example, that you have to offer, you have to invite all the political candidates on your program. And how that works, basically? Yes. I don't, I don't really know. I'm just bluffing my way through I mean, this entire thing. We have a long thing. line of them waiting to get on here. I was going to say, I guess to really know this, it would require that I had some experience. So that would mean that any sort of candidate anywhere, ever... How many political candidates have we had on here? Zero. We did have a politician on here once. Who? Oh, we had Vera Katz on, but she was already elected. Oh, that's... We had Vera Katz on right after 9-11. Mm-hmm. Have we ever had a political candidate running for anything on this program? Not running. We did have one of those uh, councilmen or selectmen or whatever he is. Dan Saltzman. Yeah. We had him on, but that wasn't during election season. And we had what's-his-name, the big tall guy from the Willamette. What's that guy's name? Jefferson oh, Davis? Jefferson? Jefferson Smith? Jefferson, uh, Smith, Jefferson something? So we had him on. Well, whatever. Anyway, so... I don't know how the Stephen Colbert thing is going to work, because I don't know if they'll have to go to reruns or a guest host or whatever. But let me just say this. The fact that he's, I mean, obviously he's a joke candidate, but you and I both know that a lot of people will vote for Stephen Colbert, A, because he's great, and B, because they have, to paraphrase Abby Hoffman, they just want to F the system. And I can totally get behind that. I am a huge, I am a massive advocate of effing the system. There is nothing I love more than seeing the system completely and totally effed. So... There's going to be, I mean, every college kid with a, with a voter ID is just going to be out there voting for Stephen Colbert. The, the weirdness is, though, that he is not going to take a single vote away from the Republicans. He will only take votes away from, from Hillary Clinton. So how weird if Stephen Colbert ended up being this year's Ralph Nader and just they put Giuliani in the White House? Huh. Well, that's true. All right. Well, I, I don't know. I have nothing. Okay. So there's more on this. On uh, the Facebook, a group entitled One Million Strong for Stephen T. Colbert. 
has attracted more than 880 members in just over a week, making it the most popular political group on the MySpaces. So I bet a lot of people emailed back saying they wanted to be his friend. Are you wearing your bifocal contacts today? I am. Okay. Are you able to see clearly through them? I am. Okay. Why do you ask? Because you do have this look occasionally as though you can't quite make out something on the screen. So I didn't know if that was a function of your eyewear or not. No. All right. It's just a regular day to me. All right. We were talking about Facebook and MySpace yesterday, by the way, and I never would say we didn't get really have a time to uh, talk about it at the end of the program. But Sarah was noting that I need to get a MySpace or no, not a MySpace, a Facebook account. Yeah, I still can't figure out how to like look at my friend requests. All right. Or even look in my inbox. I don't know how it works. Now, wasn't somebody else who was it that was in yesterday that was saying if you had Facebook? Was it Fat Boy that was saying that it just it becomes impossible? To, like, is it a thing? Is Facebook like Friendster though, where it's like if you look at something, like there's a there's, there's a, a trail of like everything you do so. ever? Because I think that's what freaked everybody out about Friendster. Oh yeah, that's it. Immediately when I got off of Friendster, <laughs> like never go again. Because everybody. No, could... that's the what fun is it if you can't stalk people? <laughs> <laughs> everybody does it. Everybody does it. I'm not saying anything that nobody else. Oh, I, I don't do it. Well, except for Tim. Except for Tim. That's because you're right. Rick, you and I have had conversations. Everyone has people that they look up. Oh, no, it's true. Everybody does. And it's weird because, like, <laughs> yeah, I find myself looking at people's pages every day, that people I don't even know that are just bizarre. And here's the, can I just say this? I would never look anybody up. When I part company with someone, I'm glad they're gone. <laughs> I mean, I, I have no further curiosity about what's going on in their life, where they are, where they're going, or where they've been. Very rarely do I. I mean, I am pretty much the same way. Uh, when somebody, you know, as, as Jeb Bartlett would say, when you're finished with me, I'm finished with you. Uh, and it's just, you know, I don't, kicking you out in my head, I am shoving you out to sea on an Antarctic ice floor. As it should be. Uh, and that's typically how I am with most people. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to sound cold or hard-hearted, but there's only so many hours of the day. I have only, I have only so many tiny shards of emotion to, to share with the world. And so I use them on people that I currently care about. Um, but it would be dishonest. I would be, it would be disingenuous of me to say that I have not at any point gone onto MySpace to go, well, I wonder what they're up to now. Does and she it, get fat? Yeah, that's yeah. And so, and it's all. But you already know the answers to these things. <laughs> I do. I do actually. Fat and fertile. It actually is how everybody from your past <laughs> always is. Fat and with a hundred children. The, the weird thing is, and this is the last thing I'll say about this. We're getting back to the news. But I, I is that the, the weird thing is. And I've had some people, uh, you know, people I worked with or people that, uh, you know, whatever, were associated with the program or whatever, that maybe you haven't seen in eight, nine years. And you get the, you know, so-and-so wants to be your friend or you'll get the thing in your email. So-and-so has dropped, you know, sent you an, hey, dude, I sent you a MySpace invite. Check it out. And it will be someone that you haven't seen in 10 years, 15 years. I had a girl I hadn't seen since high school who sent me a MySpace message. And I hadn't seen her. And, I mean, that's been 16 years ago now. And... You sort of think it's going to be kind of, I don't know, you go and see the, the photograph and you just sort of feel strangely nonplussed about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I always feel like it's going to scratch some sort of psychic itch to see what they look like now, and it never really does. I have to say, I haven't been able, like, I, I had two serious boyfriends when I was younger, and I haven't been able to find either of them on the MySpace. And you've been looking? Well, I've looked before, but I can't find either of them. Oh. I don't think they're on the MySpace. Are you searching Which by... Which means they're either dead or... Not computer. Maybe they move to the Facebook. <laughs> Isn't that what happens after they get tired of the MySpace? I suppose, but nobody really deletes their MySpace account. I mean, unless you, yeah, it, I think it, it just sort of stays there. Account, so. Yeah, so I'm right. just sort of around. All right. Is it yeah. better to have a MySpace or a Friendster? Now, no one uses Friendster. Friendster is the Betamax of the social networking world, Tim Riley. But take these calls. Uh, we'll do. Oh, I should have known. Wait, hold on a second. Don't. Uh, don't no one go too far. Stay uh, right doing? here. Oh, you know what I'm doing. It's time to welcome to the Rick Emerson Show. K-O-T-K. 
Uh, Godlike former program director Bruce Agler. Hello, sir. Uh, good afternoon there. Hello. What's up? Uh, well, I thought I'd answer your equal time question. Of course. Yes. Uh, yeah, the equal time doesn't apply to cable uh, channels, but it does apply to broadcast. In fact, that issue came up with uh, not with Colbert, but with Fred Thompson. They they had to make they made a, NBC made a big deal out of in August when they ran the last Law and Order repeat that they would be able to run. Oh, and you know what happened with Schwarzenegger too. Mm, I, yeah, I don't. I don't remember. I think I sort of remember that. Well, yeah. So with the Fred Thompson thing, the NBC dropped the repeat. They made a big deal, you know, because he was announcing the next day. Sure. So Saturday night they showed up. I don't know two or three of them, and said that's the last ones we can run. So then they, the press asked TNT because you know TNT they have a Law and Order on four hours every night. And they asked them, and they said, I don't know the heck with us. The FCC can't affect us. And as far as I know, it actually hasn't like been adjudicated, you know. But TNT at least took the position that the FCC doesn't get to regulate the content of cable. So yeah, but I mean, I mean, TNT taking that position is, is is fine and dandy. But I think as we all know, look, I could take the position that I should be able to get on here and just broadcast right. pornography well, I mean, all day. That, you know, it would require one of the other candidates then uh, asking TNT for equal time, and then them not granting it, and then them going and making us think. But about here's it, the thing. But in take forever, so. but in the case of but here's the thing. But in the case of Stephen Colbert, if he is. I mean, look, I realize that he's a novelty candidate, and we're only talking about South Carolina. Uh, but, I mean, if he's polling at, like, 12% or something, and especially, look, I mean, Hillary Clinton's a knee-breaker, and if she sees any indication anywhere that, like, Stephen Colbert is going to just gum up the works, even just from a PR perspective in one state, uh, you know that somebody's going to be calling uh, the, the FCC about that and insisting that he uh, that he get himself off of television. Well, I suppose, but, uh, you know, I mean, Fred Thompson would be the bigger issue, really, and uh, as far as I can tell, because that is the way it works. You know, the FCC doesn't really regulate what's on network television. Uh, they only regulate the stations. You know, they don't. They, they can't tell the networks not to do anything. But of course, you know, the stations. If the stations can't air it, why would the network put it yeah. on? So it's kind of that way with with cable networks too. The FCC doesn't really regulate cable. It's the local the local governments that grant the cable operator a license, and the FCC only you know regulates there's certain things they do. Well, regulate. that's why there's all of that. You know, every time there's some Jim Spag guy that wants to waggle his right. penis around somewhere, that it takes somebody some local complaint about it because the government's not going to do anything about it. But, and at this point, I don't think Colbert is officially filed or anything. So I mean, he can do all he wants. You know, you remember the Pat Paul? Well, you wouldn't sure. remember it would be before. Your no, time, I, know, but I know Pat Paulson. You, you've heard of the Pat yeah. Paulson deal. I, you know, he stayed on the Smothers Brothers the whole time because he never officially. I don't think there was any state that he actually you know, really filed his papers. So you know, he ran his campaign, but was never actually on the ballot. All right, excellent. There you go. Thank you, Bruce Agler, ladies and gentlemen, godlike former program director. All right, there you go. So there, so there. Let's do one more, and then we'll break. So Bill Clinton gets on stage and takes on the 9/11 conspiracy protesters and asks, "How dare you?" Former President Clinton raised money for his wife Hillary's campaign tonight at the State Theater in Minneapolis. When hecklers interrupted, shouting that the September 11th terror attacks were a fraud, President Clinton confronted them. An inside job? How dare you? How dare you? The hecklers were removed from the crowd. Tickets to the State Theater went for between $25 and $100. And tickets for a fundraiser earlier in the night went around $1,000 to $2,300. Well, okay. So, so there you nice. go. All right. Uh, let's take a break here. Come back after this. More of your phone calls later on. CNN Radio correspondent James Roop. Uh, Scott Daly from FilmPeopleRadio.com is going to be here. We'll talk to uh, Dennis Pitsenbarger as well. Big stack of things over here. Uh, we will have, let's see. Did I get the phrase of the day? Yes. Uh, a copy of American Gangster Season 1. Be giving that away on DVD uh, later on. More of your calls. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program.
It's the Rick Emerson radio program. I knew it. It's 503-733-2970. We're not going to play a little game called The Headline is Great, The Story Itself Not So Interesting. This comes to us from Reuters. Prostitutes sew lips together in protest. The rest of the story is actually not that intriguing, though. I mean, you wouldn't really think that it could lack a payoff, and yet it's all kind of uninteresting. So I'll just read the headline one more time. Prostitutes sew lips together in protest. There you go. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. We'll have a little breaking news coming up here in just a second. Really? Yes. Okay. So please stand by. In the meantime, Paris Hilton will have to wait to visit Africa. I wonder whose choice that is. (laughs) They're erecting a fence right now. Uh, The singer-actress, as she's now called, Uh the Goodwill trip to the continent has been postponed. The organization putting on the trip, Playing for Good, said it is in the process of restructuring for now. They'll issue a statement saying, quote, Paris has been a loyal and gracious supporter of Playing for Good, but the foundation has to regrettably reschedule her trip. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. She was planning to visit the nation of Rwanda. Back in September, Perez said she hoped to uh, bring attention to poverty and children's issues. Uh-huh. She's very concerned. Of course. She vowed to begin doing charity work after her release from jail. It's a whole week of restructuring. Breaking news, Britney Spears is on her way to the courthouse for the custody hearing. Schedules will start in one hour. That means that, okay, so in one hour, so it starts at... Uh, in less than an hour. In less, less than, than an, an hour. hour. It starts at around 2 o'clock, which means that Roop... Thank you. It means that Root probably will not be able to cover it. He'll be he'll be busy stamping out the latest smoldering blaze somewhere in his clothing. Maybe they'll get... You know, can I just say the real tragedy of this fire taking place in California oh. is that the, the, the Britney Spears story won't be covered by anybody. Maybe by Monday. Because if she goes to court at 2... They probably won't have anything until like three or four, which means that it would be too late for us to talk about it anyway. Well, she's going to court at um, an hour, like in, like in less than like an hour. Yeah, yeah but, uh, so unless they resolve everything in ninety minutes, which I guess maybe they could. What is, I don't even know what she's going to court for. What is today's uh, court you appearance? Say custody hearing. The custody hearing. It's the big one. I'm confused. Well, I'm sorry. Wasn't she in court yesterday for something? That was the DUI thing, not the DUI, the fender bend. The hit and the hit and run. I can't keep track of all these. I, well, that's what I'm saying. It can be very and who's difficult. doing them? It's hard to keep track of DUIs, Jim. Mm. They stack up before you realize it. So I don't know. So today is what the latest to determine. Well, I guess just the custody thing. I guess the judge is going to. But I mean, he's not going to. Nothing's going to change probably because what's he going to say? You've you become a model parent. Have the ki- have more kids. Here, here's someone to inseminate you right now. Uh, so, well, whatever. So maybe we'll get news about that today. If not, uh, that gives it you know, Saturday, Sunday, Monday morning for the fires to die down for them to get somebody there to the courthouse because it is, you know, it, it, is, a, uh, it is a large and important story, yeah. just in a different way than the fire. Okay, so she's headed to court right now. Yes. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's unnoticed she's in the vehicle or on foot. All right. Then we have Dina Lohan, who says she's ready to set the record straight on her family life. Mm-hmm. The mother of Lindsay Lohan has begun filming a reality series for E! Entertainment Network next week. She said her main inspiration for appearing on the series is, quote, empowering women to be successful single mothers. I'm tired of people empowering other people to do things. Empowering is a stupid word. She said it's, quote, about being in the limelight without compromising motherhood. 
Unquote. <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. Okay. She ought to have another. You know what they ought to do? They, they here's. I got a great idea. This is the this is the next great reality program. What they're going to do is uh, Dina Lowen is just going to get pregnant and shove another kid out of her already overtaxed body, and we're just going to raise the kid inside a box, locked inside a room, inside a warehouse where no one ever speaks to it, and we just try uh, like throw scraps of meat under the door every now and again, and then we're just going to release the child into the wild, Greystoke style, and we're going to see if it behaves better than Lindsay, because I'm betting the odds are about 80% that it will. Well, look who's celebrating their 50th anniversary in the music business. It's none other than Neil Sedaka. He'll have an all-star gala concert in New York tonight. Connie Francis will be there. So will the captain of Daniel and Clay Aiken. Uh, all three of them. <laughs> the best thing is how you just you sort of speak the question there. You don't. It's not actually a question. It, by the time it comes out of your mouth, though, there is a question mark attached to the end of it. Well, it says here all three have had success with Sinatra's material. Francis gave him his first hit as a songwriter with 1958's "Stupid Cupid," the 1970s pop duo logged a chart topper "Love Will Keep Us Together," and the former American Idol contender had a top ten hit with a cover of "Solitaire." Others on board include Luke Christie, Dion. Natalie Cole, Paul Schaefer, and David Foster. You know, have you ever noticed that Paul Schaefer shows up at every one of these events? Yeah. He is the guy. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Paul Schaefer, especially because he played uh, he played uh, the record promo man Artie Fufkin uh, in Spinal Tap, where he said, bless you, bless where you. he said, kick this ass. I'm not asking. I'm telling now. Kick this ass for a man. Um, but also because he's just fantastically gifted in the music sense. He produced that new Peter Chris album that we had Peter Chris on for. Um I had some other point I was going to make. Dion. So Dion of Dion, Dion DiMucci of Dion of the Belmonts? That's correct, God yes. damn. You know, Dion is fan-freaking-tastic. He's a guy who I think unless you are from a certain culture or maybe from a certain era, he just sort of gets overlooked uh, for some reason. I don't really know why that is. The guy just loomed so large. And I think maybe it's an East Coast thing. I think Dion might be... An East Coast, and more more specifically, a New York thing. Yeah. Because it doesn't really seem like he gets the attention paid to him that he really deserves. Uh, Dion uh, put well, out... That's in the era of American Bandstand, back when it was back in Philadelphia. Yeah, but he had that, uh, you know, he just had that street-tough New York City coolness. Uh, there's a Dion record he actually put out in the late 80s. He put out a record called Yo Frankie in about 1989 uh, that has Lou Reed and uh, uh, Paul Simon and some other guys on it. It's just fantastic. He had a song called Written on the Subway Wall that was really beautiful. Anyway, Dion, excellent. Uh, former President uh, Jimmy Carter is warning against military strikes in Iraq, saying it uh, probably won't do much good for anybody. What we should be doing is having full uh, negotiations, consultations with Iranian leaders to make sure that they know that we don't intend to attack them militarily. Uh, I think the United States and others should insist upon the uh, total absence in Iran of any move to developing nuclear weapons. Deep down, he's hoping Bush sends a few helicopters over there. <laughs> Send at least four or five helicopters over there. That'll take care of it. What a terrible thing for you to say, but how hilarious that you said it. That really is, I'd, I never would have made that conclusion. What I was actually going to say, the observation I was going to make before you, as you always do, bested me with something I hadn't even thought of. I was just going to say, it's kind of sad and, and cute when I hear Jimmy Carter speak because... I mean, really, I, I don't even think most people are really even aware that he exists. I, he just sort of dwells in this kind of nether region where he was... Somebody made a, a documentary biography on his life. The Man from Plains. No, it's a different one. It's one that just came out this week. Isn't, isn't that the one? Uh, the sure? ma- it's one that's showing in New York. It hasn't shown anywhere else. I think it might be called The Man from Plains, which is a play. Or maybe I'm confusing that with the Bill Clinton, The Man from Hope. 
But I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. There's a documentary about Jimmy Carter that just came out, and it's by somebody notable. Yeah. Um, is it... No, I can't think of what no, it's it. It's totally going to bug me. Darn no, it all the heck. I don't know. Um, but but it, it's, it's kind of strange, because he was... The, you know, he was the most powerful man in the world uh, for nearly half a decade, and yet now he, he sort of speaks, and you get the feeling like when you, you know what Jimmy Carter is, when you hear Jimmy Carter talk about world issues, you sort of get the feeling it's like they're interviewing Tom Poston down at like a Starbucks somewhere, you know? Then he's just some sort of a guy they happen to catch at a Waffle House, you know, and he's weighing in with his thoughts, just an ordinary common guy, which I guess was maybe his sort of, you know, I don't say shtick, but sort of his deal. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, helicopters. Boy, that's just going to... I wonder if he... Who is it? I mean, you almost wonder if that was kind of an inside... Not an inside job, but if somebody sort of knew what they were getting into there. Because how how could they not have known? Jimmy Carter had this fabled... There was this terrible mistake that happened during the latter days of the Carter administration, which allowed Reagan to come in and just sweep him out of office like leaves being shoved to the curb. Um, America held hostage with Ted Koppel. Where the, the Iranians, of course, had taken American hostages, and they were being held. And Carter finally was like, well, I've had enough. I'm going to send some helicopters. And, of course, the helicopters were not equipped to fly over the, wait for it, sand. Iran is filled with sand. I mean, as Sam Kinison once said, you know, it's going to be in 100 years, it's going to be sand. So he sent these helicopters in, which were not equipped to fly over the desert. So, of course, that's immediately where he sent them. And then it all, they, you know, they couldn't fly, and it all went to hell, and whatever. I mean, you got to, they had to have thought of that at some point. Somebody had to have looked at the helicopters and then said, hey, are these going to be able to fly through the desert? And then somebody signed off, and then it all went bad. God, what a weird time. All right. I'm still looking for the name of that movie that's going to bug me. I don't know. It's uh, no, it's, it, it's only Jimmy Carter. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Basically, that's what it is. So let's uh, talk about college drinking. Can we? It looks like today's college students uh, everywhere are doing much better than those yesteryear when it comes to drinking. They drink. Uh, three drinks or less when they drink. They drink once a week to once a month, uh-huh. or they don't drink at all. So the numbers are looking good. We've made some progress. Apparently that's somebody. Her name is Dr. Uh, Carolyn Cornelius. An, an easily duped woman is who she is. That's who we're listening to. We're listening to a woman who is lied to by college students and has no barometer for when she's being fed a big crate of BS. She offers a second soundbite. As an educator and as a professional <laughs> speaker, I share my personal experience um, about partying too much in college. And so I really talk about how it's necessary for friends to step up and help their friends. Oh, it's all about her. Whatever. It's all about her. You know, she sounds like she sounds like Sarah Purcell, uh, kind of from, a, from the old Real People show. Oh, whatever happened to Sarah Purcell? I don't really know. I we okay. Let me ask you this. I got a text message from somebody last night. Uh, Sneathan uh, emailed me last night. He sent me a little thing on my phone, and he said he said, "Hey," and I I never texted him back because I didn't know the answer, uh, and I was you know I wasn't in a place where I could look it up. And I said, he sent me a text message like, "Angelian, dead or alive." I didn't know, and in fact, I still don't know. Alive. Are you sure about that? Yes. How sure are you on the classic 1 to 10 scale that Angelian? Nine. Really? All right, hold on. I'm going I'm to look it up right now. Oh, I found out the name of the Jimmy Carter movie is The Man from Planes. Yeah, see, so I think it's a play on The Man Directed from Directed by Jonathan, Jonathan Demme. Jonathan Demme, who did Silence of the Lambs mm-hmm. and Married to the Mob. Hold 126 man. minutes. Wow. How could they find 126 minutes worth of material on Jimmy Carter? And who could they think is possibly going to spend money to watch it? Don't get me wrong. I have no life, but even I'm not going to watch that. Screw no. that. There's just no way. All right, so you say that Angelian is alive. Mm-hmm. Let's find out. Ooh, I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> she's she's alive. I thought so. You know, okay, they're... But they're, brought it up, she's not really... Well, she's 
You know, there's sea star. I really don't even know what, what brought she, it up. What is she most noted for? Well, um, I was trying to find a way around it. Really, it, she is most noted for having, I believe, a. It, it, for having a e Hollywood story, I believe her. she is most noted for being one of the first famous female stars uh, to have the uh, a double mastectomy done. I do believe that is why most people know who she is now, uh, because she sort of because that wasn't really talked about uh, whenever 25 years ago, 30 years ago, whenever it was done, but you didn't really discuss it unless you were Betty Ford. Unless you were Betty Ford, did she have it? I thought she was just an alcoholic. She's just an alcoholic, but anytime Betty Ford had anything done, it made headlines. <laughs> I had this bunion. You know, shove her in front of the, the nightlight cameras. Too. Betty Ford. Yeah. Well, she's pickled herself. She's preserved. She'll never die. <laughs> she's just wa walking around looking for brains to eat. Uh, so and Jillian, and you know, can I just say this? Um, and, and, so anyway, so to answer your question. People sort of know about her because, uh, again, the, the sort of breast cancer was not really talked about openly until she had it done. And she was uh, kind of a sex symbol in her day. So it was sort of, uh, I won't say scandalous, but it was a very compelling story that she had breast cancer and had the mastectomy. And so she, she talked about it a lot. Um, before that, though, when I was growing up, um, she, did a, um, she did a show called Jennifer Slept Here. Uh, in which was really kind of a great sort of weird show where she played a, if I remember this correctly, she played a Hollywood sex kitten um, who had overdosed. It was kind of a morbid program now that I think about it. It was, a, sit to life. It was a sitcom. No, she was, but she was a, a ghost of a Hollywood sex kitten. She had overdosed and she appeared as a ghost to a 15-year-old boy who was the only one that could see her because I think he's a like topper. It was sort of like that. Topper. He, I think he lived in her old house or something. I'm spending so much time talking about Angelian, whose life status was not even known to us five minutes. I didn't even know she was dead. I'm spending all this time so talking about to, as a ghost. The deal is that the, the, the plot of the movie, the plot of the uh, television show was that a kid moved into a house and it turned out it had been her old house. She had overdosed, I believe, and she was she the sex kitten actress who had overdosed, and then she now hung around as a ghost. And it was all kind of wacky hijinks because he was – it was kind of like weird science. He was a horny teenager, and she was like this hot ghost, and she told him a lot of life lessons, uh, you know, and, and taught him, you know, all the things he needed to know about being a young man. I don't really remember anything about the show except the plot uh, and that she was hot as balls. It probably still is, actually. I mean, really, because I know that she went through the whole – you know, there's a lot of plastic surgery and the whole thing. And so she's probably still very attractive, but, I mean, and Jillian. And Jillian alive, Chris Neathan. Uh, all right, here's Tim Riley. Who was even talking about Angelia? I don't even really know the answer to that. Hello, you have a Betty Ford observation. I actually have some bad news for you. And oh, God, is never... she dead? Oh, she's been dead for like three or four months now. I mean, she may still be around. Tim, Tim hold you on, know, hold on, hold on. Tim has, and I know this because, Tim, we've all worked together a long time in this program. I can read Sarah's lips. Sarah can duplicate my morning mannerisms, and I can read Tim Riley's facial expressions. Tim is skeptical of the news that you are purporting to give us right now. <laughs> I, I'm, a, I, I'm sure he is, as he should be. Tim, you are uncertain that this is a fact. But I am, I am rock solid certain that the lady who, uh, who used to be our, uh, our former first lady, is in fact dead. Now she may still be around, a la James King and Anna Nicole Smith style, but she is in fact deceased. Maybe they just got her encased in some sort of lucite box in the lobby. She is oh. alive. Tim says she she's is. alive. Tim says she's alive right here. Where is your God now? I, 
Tim Riley is my god. Now, what were you? Hold up, but no, but let's. Okay, you're not gonna you're not gonna get off with just puffery. Now, okay. from where did you get this idea that she was that she was dead? Not only dead, but dead for several months now. Well, a few months back, now maybe it was maybe it was Pat Nixon, but I I thought him <laughs> Pat Nixon died like a hundred years ago. Pat okay. Nixon hey, died in 1997, I think. Uh, the, did did Tim in fact Wikipedia this or uh, Betty Ford is 89. Betty Ford is 89. Well, who the hell just died then? I would imagine any Gerald number Ford any number died. of people. Gerald Ford is dead. You can't confuse Gerald Ford and Betty Ford. And yet, behold. Did, did, now, what about uh, Mrs. Carter? Okay, you can't just distract us by waving other dead first ladies in well, our look, face. Look, shiny object. <laughs> you can't. You know what? Your presidential misdirection will not wash here. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's what I thought. Also, the same age as Betty Ford is Paul Harvey. Really? Mm -hmm. So there you go. And Abigail Van Buren, Dear Abby. You know, she's got Alzheimer's. That's very sad. It's not the real Dear Abby answering the letters. No, no, it is not. That should all be being crammed. Dear, dear Abby, my husband doesn't find me uh, attractive since I gained weight. What should I do? Monkeys are everywhere! I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That There's a spider true? on my forehead. <laughs> Man. Is it time for tapioca pudding? <laughs> I'm sorry. Was it too soon? Is that too much? Uh, Mike Wallace is also 89. Just a bunch of backward R's and scrawling. Like corn. Okay. This is going <laughs> too far. You know, what you want to do is get a warehouse full of cocktail sauce. Britney Spears just arrived at the courthouse. Really? Mm -hmm. What was she wearing? They have a live streaming video, I don't know, um, on TMZ. Something baggy that doesn't cover her folds. Uh, all right, so there you go. So, oh, by the way, uh, so you know that there was did you see there was a sea change in the world of advice columns though a few weeks ago. There was a little bit it was a little bit of scandal because Dear Abby, which is now done by Abigail Van Buren's daughter. Um, so do they still use the same picture from the 1950s? They do, which she's got the weird flip, the yeah. weird hair, and you know that uh, Ann Landers, her hair flipped in the opposite direction. I didn't know. Did that. you know that that is true? Boy, this has just become a whole different type of show in the last five minutes. Um, no, no, no. If you look at Ann Landers and Abby, uh, dear Abby, because they were sisters, side by side, Abigail Van Buren's hair comes down and flips to the right. Ann Landers' hair comes down and flips to the left. They are, in fact, mirror images of each other in terms of their hairstyle. That's, they purported to sort of have this feud, and I don't really That's think... That's Dear Abby. Okay, so I got it backward. It's left and right. I don't think it's true that they really had a feud. I think that's two girls uh, who really did a whole lot of marketing planning together because they, you know, because they had this whole fabricated sort of rift between them, and, you know, their image was so much alike. And Anyway, dear, the Dear Abby column, she came out solidly in favor of marriage between the gays a couple weeks ago. And there was all of this like scandal with her 90-year-old readership. We're like horrified by it. So, but that's her daughter. Oh, this is a better picture. That's uh, from the 50s. Now, is that, is that Dear Abby? That's or Dear Abby. She was never good-looking. No, Ann Landers was though. Ann Landers. She was kind of a dish. Yeah. Yeah. She, she was, was a good-looking twin. Well, no wonder Dear Abby was so cranky all the time. Seriously. I mean, for the love of God. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Yeah, Rick. Uh, one thing: Did you ever see uh, something wild, the Jonathan Demme film with uh, Jeff Daniels and Only Griffith? Uh, yeah, a long time, years ago. Yeah, well, I, I didn't know. Not too many people actually saw it, but that's one of my favorites of his. And the other thing about Ann Gillian, she was also a star of another sitcom that, whose name escapes me, but it was about cocktail waitresses. When when would this have been? Huh? When would this have been? Uh, 
late seventies, early eighties. I think after the Jennifer Fletcher. All right, hold on. I'm going to look Wikipedia and Jillian for the second time today. Hello. Um, I guess we're at the connoisseur. Just, I guess we're at the connoisseur level now. Did you just say lol? Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, a 1989 series simply entitled Angelian. Oh, that could be it, I guess. That I could be it. There's, by the way, there's no link to it at all. Um, it's one of those titles that is not linked to. Uh, all right, excellent. Thank you. Bye. All right, there you go. Uh, by the, oh, here we go. In the series Jennifer Slept Here, starring Angelian. Angelian played Jennifer Farrell, a once popular movie actress who made the unfortunate mortal mistake of. Oh, okay. She didn't overdose. I'm going to the official Angelian website. She was. Boy, this is this, this show seems so dumb in retrospect. She's Listen a to motivational this. speaker. Angelian. That's what it says here. What could she possibly motivate you to do? My advice to you is to become unknown. Well, she says if they're not having fun, then the important message is lost. Uh huh. Good Housekeeping named her one of the most admired women of the world. Now, listen to this. Angelian played Jennifer Farrell in the movie in the series Jennifer Slept Here. She was a once popular movie actress who made the unfortunate mistake of chasing an ice cream truck near her Los Angeles home. When the ice cream truck accidentally backed up, it ran her over, killing her. Years later, the Elliott family moved into Jennifer's home. Uh, Jennifer only appears to, um, whatever, teenage son, Joey. So there you go. Betty Ford says of Angelian, Ann's message is so inspirational. Are you It's motivating me? for us to do what we can to be happy, healthy, and in love with life and everything in it. And Ann is. Are you, are you Getting the audience to feel good about their life is exactly what Angelian does, and in a very entertaining way, says Betty Ford. Who is still alive. His sons of so bitches. has been motivated to stay alive by Angelia. Okay, but can I just point out that that is the ultimate callback, and it's an intersection, and it's real. We didn't have to fabricate it. That this whole Angelian discussion, followed by a whole Betty Ford discussion, and now you have Betty Ford actually commenting on Jan, uh, Angelian. Mm -hmm. This really is the greatest show ever sometimes. Well, I mean, I, that's not even about me. That's just about the universe. Uh, here on KCMD Portland. Hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. This is Corey. I just wanted to uh, wish Bobby Terrell a happy birthday. Bobby Terrell. Okay. Yep. All right. How, how, old, how old is Bo How old is Bobby Terrell today? How old is Bobby Terrell today? That is a mystery. That is a mystery. Yes, it is. You know, I'm going to lose. I'm going to lose sleep over it. I don't even know that I can go on with that. No, I have the answer to that. All right. Yeah. Thank you. That, no, thank you. Really, it's my day was lacking a little bit, but that's the cherry on top of my conversational Sunday. Okay, Bobby Terrell. Bobby Terrell's 33. All right. Here's Tim Riley. So maybe we can. Put in. I was so excited about reading about Angelian. Yes. I was motivated to turn up my microphone for a while. Uh huh. Maybe we can speak to Susan about getting her for our next listener party. Angelian. And on the same bill will be Jim Roop. Uh, with Angelian and Jim Roop together at last. We should do a whole. You know, for one of our upcoming listener events, we're not really planning anything now, but we are. Maybe we ought to do like see how many B movie stars we could possibly get in one place. Mm -hmm. I think we're already doing that. Oh, I mean, like, on the, I thought you meant on the show, not in one What thing. do you mean? No, not, like, talking about it, but, like, actually in person. Uh, what, uh, let's see, when? Talk is better. We might as well, let's see, what are we doing here? I'm looking at my sheet. I'm trying to figure out. Okay, so, um, well, let's just go ahead and roll through with this, and then we'll break here in, in a few minutes. Here's uh, Tim Riley. We'll just kind of continue. This is running late tonight. So here's a little warning for you. Do not set your clock back one hour this weekend. Now, if you're planning on sending your clock back an hour Sunday night, you'll find yourself an hour late for work on Monday. Now, the fallback usually occurs during this weekend in October, but 
in legislation approved in 2005 that added four weeks to daylight savings time. The move was finally implemented this year. Three of those weeks came last spring when daylight savings time began. This is confusing for everyone. So uh, don't turn your clock back this weekend. If it makes you feel better, I'm not even really listening. You're not? I'm sorry. Oh. I'm just... <laughs> no, it hurt. No, no, no. Oh. I mean, as soon as you... Just to the daylight savings time story. You know why? Because you said, don't set your clock back this and weekend. And Jillian says... <laughs> Thank you. Now you got my attention. No, I mean, as soon as you said, don't set it back, I went, okay, done and done. And then, I, no, I'm trying to figure out uh, this thing. Somebody, here's what I figured it out, though. I figured out uh, the Betty Ford thing, Tim. This is why I uh, had uh, tuned the out partially. The fact that she's still alive? No. Here's the... Well... It's that Lady Bird Johnson just died. And oh, so the right, caller yeah. is confusing Betty Ford with Lady Bird Johnson, okay. who, of course, was LBJ's widow. Mm-hmm. So uh, so there you go. All right. Uh, by the way, uh, Ann Jillian, the cocktail waitress show, was called It's a Living and was on in the early 80s. I do sort of vaguely remember that. Uh, and then the woman says, Rick, this is pop culture. What the heck are you doing not knowing this? I'm sorry. Please, please forgive me. Uh, and Jane Wyman is also dead. So there you go. Right. Not to be confused with Jane Wyatt. No, no. She was also dead. No, see, see, you got it. But now, now, which one played Spock's mother? Jane Wyatt or Jane Wyman? Now I don't even know. Jane Wyatt. Oh, God. This is, you know, we... Jane Wyatt. Do you realize radio stations cost millions of dollars? Jane Wyatt died in October 2006. Now, she played the mother on Father Knows Best. Okay. Jane Wyman was Reagan's wife. And she played Spock's mother. Yes. Okay. There and you also, go. she, uh, let's see here. Yeah, she's dead, too. And by the way, just to, you know, just so we can complete the dork circle, because we were talking about G.I. Joe yesterday. Yes, uh, Matt H., who emailed in, and Landers and Dear Abby are the Tomax and Zamot of the uh, advice column world. A little geek check for you there. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. How you doing, man? Please, you know, here's, I'm going to be doing really well if you're not calling about Betty Ford and Jillian, Jane Wyman, Jane Wyatt, Jimmy Carter, or the man from Hope. I'm calling about that almost famous movie, actually. Thank God. Thank uh, you, sir. I have a friend well, going to rent it for me right now. So really? All the copies aren't gone. Now, where are they renting it at? Can you, it, no, it, I'm not uh, going to say. Oh, I'm sorry. They don't have it yet. Okay, I'm are they getting? Hard time remembering how, when when did that come out? Uh, 2000, uh, 2000, 2000. Mm. 2000. So it's been a, okay. I don't know. I, I I'm just drawing a blank, man. You say you're talking this movie up, and now I want you got my interest up, and I want to go see it. But I'm like, come on, it's not that Mark, Marky Mark, rock star thing. No, 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 God, no, no, uh, no, it, 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 no. Almost Famous is a 2000 film uh, written by and directed by Cameron Crowe. Uh, starring, um, well, starring uh, the Kate Hudson, uh, uh, also starring um, Jason Lee of My Name Is Earl and Kevin Smith fame. Uh, also, uh, also uh, Billy Crudup, who's done a bunch of crap. Uh, cheating on his wife for two statements. Oh, okay. <laughs> dumped dumped his wife for Claire Danes. Um, anyway, it's a, it's a fantastic movie. If you are, a, are you a music fan, sir? Are you a music lover? Oh, big time, big time, okay, big time. if you are a lover of music, you'll like okay. this film. So, cool. yeah, go, go, and, uh, don't just rent it, go buy it. Okay. And Aunt Julian was in a sitcom called It's a Living. Was she a cocktail waitress? Yes. Was this in the early 80s? <laughs> yes. Okay, excellent. Thank you, my friend. There you go. There you go. She Thank also you, played Mae West. Really? Yeah. You know what's funny about her playing Mae West? Do you read, this is just the most, I won't say useless, but just the most random show today. You know what, you know what today is like? 
Today is like when you uh, lift up your sofa and you just find a whole bunch of things under there that have just sort of fallen through the cracks. Oh, there's like, Angelian. A bunch of pennies and pieces of crackers and like a book you forgot you were reading at one point and a remote control that no longer does anything. That's what this show is like. It's a whole bunch of those things swept up into a pile and sorted through. Um, Angelian, it's perfect that she would play Mae West because Angelian, in a way, reminds me of sort of the Mamie Van Dorans of the world. She is sort of a sort of a grade B sex pot. You know what I mean? Kind of a... Uh, it is not really one of your high... She's not one of your Marilyn Monroe's. She's sort of a C-stringer. Hmm. So, all right. Let's uh, continue, shall we? All right. Here's Tim Riley. Well, on a chilly morning, we can see our breath when we go outside, but we don't want that to affect things inside. A furnace inspection... Oh, can be the dressing room. Why, in Paramount, I had closets bigger than... That was Angelian as Made West. This one? Oh, no, it's a good and now they expect me to give up half my... Okay. So that's enough. Here's Tim Rathick. So getting back to the furnace story again, if I can find it. Yes, on a chilly morning, we can see our breath and then go outside. Uh, Gary Mikowski of the American Furnace Association says... <laughs> Wait, let me understand. Hold on. Stop. <laughs> I want to join the American Furnace Association. <laughs> um, are we really stopping this talk about Angelian to discuss... The fact that sometimes it's cold outside, but if you have a furnace, this is a problem that can be overcome. <laughs> that is correct. It's better living through radio. What, is the, the, what does the furnace do again? Well, let's find out, shall we? Okay. Furnace inspection can mean the difference between safety and a dangerous situation. Gary Morowski with Flame Heating, Cooling, and Electrical says, is that a Make sure your inspector is certified by Nate, North American Technician Excellence. And they know they're getting a professionally trained man that takes pride in his work. There's... <laughs> what? I, I don't understand. And then it's done. Yes. Well, there are certain issues that the uh, furnace man should look into. Not only to make sure that the machine is operating properly, but to also make sure that it's safe. There's no such thing as the American Furnace Association. This is a fabricated organization. Not only to make sure that the machine is operating properly, but to also make sure that it's safe. Make sure there's no carbon monoxide leaking from your furnace. It could be a matter of life and death. Well, there wouldn't be. Because it's just a regular fire, like if it's burning heating oil, that doesn't create carbon monoxide. I say with no, I say with no understanding of the issue. No, I say we don't assume that everybody knows these facts. I say flatly, having no basis in science to make that observation. Why that's untrue? You can go down there and breathe it all day long. Uh, all right. Well, this, I think I'm the only one that would even pay attention to that. You don't have a furnace. You have regular electric heat, don't you? No, I do not. I have gas heat. Uh, okay, so you, you do have a furnace then. Yes. I didn't think they did that anymore. Because I have a furnace, but my house is from like 1750. So it, I, it sucks in the air and blows out heat. Well, I... Okay. What? It sucks in the air and then blows out heat. But I mean... Okay. In, in Somewhere in your house... In you, the attic. In the attic. Is it a big metal box with fire inside? I, never I, sound, I sound like some sort of, I sound like a savage discussing, <laughs> di discussing the weather. It is a large metal box inside which lives a gnome, and the gnome breathes out fire, which then heats us, and then it the dragon the round, comes. the round cylinder used as a wheel. <laughs> yes, there is firebox. The, the spirit god comes and blows his mighty wind into our living room. Yes, there be firebox, Kimo-san. <laughs> it be an attic. <laughs> okay, so in my basement, I have a furnace. Uh, 
And it, it, that's the one that uses up all the oil, isn't it? Exactly. Uh, and it's a little... It's First of all, let me just say, the furnace is great. It heats like a bastard, as man. It, it should. It, it, but, I mean, you know, you have that, like the old electrical heat where you have those baseboard heaters. And, like, you turn on the thing and you hear that smells. And it smells. And then, you know, when you turn on the baseboard heat, there's that... Sound that is sort of strangely rhythmic and hypnotic, both when you are heating and then when you turn it off, because the metal contracts back and it makes that weird ticking sound when you turn the heater on and off. The furnace, there's there's like no warm up time at all. You turn on the furnace in my house, and I mean just just huge jets of like 90 degree air just begin blowing into every room, and I don't care how cold the house is. I was the last year. Laura and I forgot to call the heating oil place. I thought she did it. <laughs> she thought I did it. And then no one did it. And so there was a holdover period for like three days where we had no heating oil. And it was really cold. And the house, it was like 52 degrees in the house. I, we, I, I put a sweater on the dog. I was like walking around the house in earmuffs. I mean, it was unbelievably cold. Uh, and then so the heating oil guy came and he filled the big tank in the yard. And then we waited an hour because you have to wait an hour. And then I turned on the heat, and I got to tell you, man, within about 12 minutes, our house was 90 degrees. It was wonderful. It was amazing. But there is, A, something, I'm not saying it's unsafe. I know it's an irrational fear. But there is something a little unnerving about having a huge tank buried in your front yard that has 500 gallons of highly explosive heating oil in it. Mm -hmm. Knowing that I sleep, what is it, what is it, Jack Nicholson? I sleep, I eat my breakfast 500 yards away from Cuban guards who are trained to kill me. I eat my breakfast about five yards away from a tank filled with 500 gallons of explosive oil. Uh, that, and I will never forget this, you, you, you somehow know, you know on some level in your brain that your furnace works by burning heating oil and then taking the heat and shoving it out through the vents in your house. I didn't really realize how literal that was until I walked into the basement at one point to, like, get my laundry or something, and I noticed this sort of... I wish I wish you could actually re, sort of replay this and just see it as it happened, but I'm wandering into the basement, like, in my boxer shorts, looking for laundry or something, and the, the furnace is down. They're sort of, you know, sort of furnacing away, and there's a metal door on the side of the furnace, and it says, like, you know, open carefully... So what do I do? I'm like, well, I should see what's behind that. And so I get right up next to the furnace, and I grab the handle on the metal door, which is about the size of, I don't know, like a TV tray maybe, and I go, and I open it. And no, yet, really, honestly, I open it, and it was like looking into the ninth circle. I mean, I opened it, and it was like it was like I was catching a glimpse just into Dante's brain, just and just these huge flames, and I'm like, I felt like I felt, I felt like Sigourney Weaver opening the refrigerator in Ghostbusters, where I open it and just like the hounds of Gozer were inside, and I just wham, and I shut it, and I ran. there's fire in the box downstairs, you know. So anyway. So furnaces roll. I mean, it's it's weird, man. It's it's kind of strange here in 2007 when you realize that in many areas of your life you still use technology that is, you know, 300 years old. So it's it's like when you ride a train, you have that same sort of uh, that same sort of sensation. All right. Then they know they're getting the best, and they know they're getting the job. A trained, professionally trained a man that takes pride in his work. I will say this. Also, speaking of the trained man who takes pride in his work. <laughs> The guy who comes and takes care of our furnace, he is exactly the kind of guy who you want taking care of your furnace. He's a guy named Ed, and Ed, he comes and he has like the, um, he has like a dirty, and but dirty like, not dirty like a homeless guy, dirty like a working man. Mm -hmm. a dirty baseball cap, 
He has like a baseball cap and like these leather gloves, sort of like a, sort of like Charlton Heston getting ready to rope some caps. Uh, he puts on these leather gloves and he has the hat and he has like the overalls and he has like the name the name tag like Ed sewn on to like the uh, the, the the left pocket uh, and a tool belt. And I mean Ed has a and when you shake his hand. You know, he has the he, he has, a man's he does handshake. it's the it's it, it's the man's handshake and it's a working man's handshake. Kind of the calluses, sort of grit. You know, get a little bit of grease on the hand, but that's because you know he's been down in basements making sure that things work, so the people have uh, so the so the folks have warm air when the when the when the cold weather comes. Ed's just doing his job. He's a great guy. Ed is the guy I want to fix everything in my home. The toaster oven doesn't work. I want to call Ed and have him come fix it. So God bless you, Ed. Um, let's see. Uh, just looking at these calls and these emails, it is there's something really bizarre in the brains of the audience today. There's a full moon, you know. I know. Guy wants to talk about hot mom next door. Hmm. Well, let's flip a coin. Hold on. Might be interesting. Yeah, it could be. Depending on the mom. Okay, we do it. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. <laughs> it's not as interesting as it sounds. Ann Jillian oh, played the right. hot neighbor in Mr. Mom. Is that Ann Jillian? Oh, with yes, different hair. With a different yeah, hair color. Short brown hair. Yeah, and she's always trying to seduce Michael Keaton. Exactly. He gets busted by Terry Gar. And then at the end of the end, there's that whole fantasy sequence where Terry Gar shoots him yeah. uh, and whatever. And he's like, I love this shirt. Because she shoots right through that flannel shirt that he wears all the time. And Martin Mull is the Ganky, nasty boss. Yeah, and then and then when and Jeffrey Tambor shows up, I was just coming to call you back. <laughs> Mr. Mom is a great film. When's the last time anybody in this room saw Mr. Mom? Oh, how long ago? Oh, Mr. Mom, it holds up. It's a funny movie. It, it that movie it still retains its comedic punch. But it really Keaton, does. Michael Keaton, right? Michael Keaton, I love Mr. Jeffrey Michael Tambor, Keaton. Terry Gar, who is hot as balls. Uh, Angelian is yeah the hot next door neighbor. And there's that great sequence uh, where. Um, you know who wrote Mr. Mom? You know why it's so great? John Hughes. He oh, wow. of the Breakfast Club, yeah. Vacation, Home Alone. John Hughes wrote Mr. Mom, which is why it's such a great movie. He wrote movie. 16 Candles, too. Yeah, no, yeah, he wrote everything. John Hughes wrote... little kid is in it, too. He was the only person allowed to write movies in America for about 12 yeah, years. Yeah, it was yeah. just him uh, and Harold Ramis. Mr. Mom has the great little blend of fantasy and reality, too. And I realize I'm spending a really just a disproportionately large amount of time discussing Mr. Mom, but what are you going to do? It's because, a great flick. Because, well, and, and people forget exactly what a creative movie Mr. Mom is, and I know you don't really expect anybody on the radio uh, to be saying that, but it's true. Because, like, there's that sequence where, with Jaws, the vacuum cleaner, where it's yeah. like the, he owns an evil vacuum cleaner that is actively tries to destroy, actually tries to kill the children. He has the, the washing machine where he's battling the washing machine and the hoses are coming loose from the wall and the washing machine is actually advancing on him to crush him. It's got the, um, again, the sequence where Terry Gar kills him like it's a noir film. It's got that great uh, moment where he's playing poker with all the neighborhood ladies, but instead of gambling with money, they're gambling with, uh, with money Coupon. saver coupons Coupon. from the supermarket. Yeah. So, I actually found myself drawing off that movie as a factual resource as a stay-at-home dad at times. <laughs> really? It's yeah. sort of a, as an I'm text? the same shows as Kenny, and I'm liking them. Uh, it's, my brain is, what does he say? Oh, I can't remember. My brain is mush. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you, sir. I got three more things. Oh, of course. When you drink, uh, when you drink hot coffee, the reason it takes 25 minutes is because your body doesn't process it. 
until it's body temperature. Same with alcohol when it's cold. Is that true, or are you making that, that up? No, I learned it in the OLCC class. So I should so I should be drinking room temperature room coffee. Room temperature coffee, not okay. iced coffee, not hot coffee. I was going to redo. I was going to reheat this coffee. Now, no more. Okay. Second thing, I about drove my car and my 277 pound body into the ditch when you talked about the 2 a.m. ready whip. Oh no, it's we've all done that. Yeah, you, well, obviously I've done it more than once. <laughs> okay. Uh, I forgot the third thing. Final thing. I forgot it. Okay, well done. Yeah, way to choke at the end. Thanks. All right. All right. Jesus. Did I mention that radio stations cost millions of dollars? Yeah, the big two tall towers up these, on the hill. These, there these must be some maintenance involved there. The time, the time that they have given us to squander on this radio station is so you can't even put a price tag. I mean, I suppose you could. I'm just saying it's it's exorbitant. This it's is, a lot cheaper than having a full orchestra, which they had at one time. <laughs> that is true. I, we're going to do that at some point. We are going to do. I know I keep saying that, uh, but Promises you know, it's just like you're going to update the fact on the website. No, sh- sh- shut up. Uh, let me just reheat my coffee. I know I'm not supposed to. I know that website is full of long departed people. It's full of lies, Tim. Yeah. My website is full of lies and half truths. Well, if I could do it myself, I would. But I'm kind of I'm not computer illiterate, but I'm HTML illiterate, and so I depend on Joni to help me with that. And I just uh, another five hours in the day. Nice. Uh, well, we should talk about this because we are coming up on Halloween, and Halloween means it's less than how many days until Christmas? What is today? The twenty sixth. Mm-hmm. Yes. Fifty nine days. Well, two months, basically. 60 days, essentially, It'll be until here Christmas. before you know it. That is crazy. It really is insane. So we get to start thinking about what we're going to be doing for Christmas. I won't be here. I won't be here. And we're done. I'll be here, you sons of bitches. When, oh, what is Christmas? I may redo my Christmas special. This okay, year. what is... I'm sorry, Rick, and now that we actually have actual jobs, we actually have calendar days that are scheduled off, so you can't keep us here. Uh, can't I? Nope. Oh. Well, let's see. What day is Christmas? Christmas is a Tuesday. December 25th is a Tuesday. So are we all going to be here Monday, Christmas Eve, and then leave after the show? Are you kidding? No. Well, I don't want so to... I'm going to be here alone on I'm not Christmas coming back. Eve. I'm taking my last personal day off the day after Christmas. I'm not coming back till Thursday. So I'm going to be here alone on Christmas Eve. Thanks. I, I, I might Thanks, come pals. In. I, I might come in. I appreciate that. No, I don't, don't worry about I it. I don't want to miss Jesus. I was about to... Un- no, no, no. This is fine. I was about to uncork this whole discussion about this exciting programming that we cre- uh, could create for the audience this year, how we would top behind the Christmas by... We can create by... it for the next 52 days. I, mm. this, no, don't, doesn't matter. That's fine. Okay. Don't worry about it. I'm not going to be guilted into feeling bad about wanting to spend time with my family over No, the that's... You know, this is your real family, Sarah. You know that to yeah. be true. We can bring a couple of turntables in here. And no, no, no. No, it's fine. You know what? I'll just sit here and... Play with hand puppets. Don't worry about it. Uh, let's do... Okay, it's 124. We are almost on time. Let's do two more, and then we'll take a break. Well, Apple's update with the Mac's OS X operating system is hitting store shelves tonight at 6. It's called the Leopard. The upgrade goes on sale at 6. The what? The Leopard. Oh, Leopard. Leopard. Okay. It boasts uh, more than 300 new features, including one called Boot Camp that lets you install Windows on Macs. Well, if you can, if you want, but who really needs it? It's as though you're smelling raw sewage while reading the story. <laughs> it really is. So apparently, <laughs> some people would like Windows on Mis- their computers Mis- for whatever guided. reason. Fools. All right. Uh, Max have reached record sales levels, and the launch of the Leopard is expected to bolster a continuing rise. Computers with Microsoft Corporation Windows platforms still dominate the PC world. But Apple has made significant gains in the past year. <laughs> it's like you're just saying it with tired, with just sort of a tired resignation. So as Apple's iPod players become a cultural phenomenon, they introduce millions of Windows users to Apple software and design and the iPhone. Apple's new hybrid cell phone and the iPod is spreading the halo effect. 
More people than ever want Max. Incident. Let me just address the growing number of people who have sent me this story this morning. A story so disturbing that I haven't even I haven't even looked at it beyond the, the email headline. Is that the Senator Craig one? Not what? What is there a Senator Craig story? Yeah, we can't talk about it on the air though. Why? It's pretty nasty. Oh, the one with the guy. Yeah, it's on my. Uh, whoa, whoa, it's, yeah. It's not fair. Well, we. It's nothing we can talk about on the air. You got to go read it for yourself. Now, when did it's you? How did you guys learn learn about this story? I heard about it last night and I posted it. This wasn't when you were having your secret Christmas meeting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let me look here. Is it on Google News? Believe, do you realize how ridiculous it is, right? Well, that you're mad at us for wanting to take off a holiday that mostly everybody gets. Christmas off. Eve isn't a holday. Yes, it is um, in our contract. It's, it's not a CBS holiday. It's, Christmas it's, Eve. It's one of Jesus. I thought holiday. it was the 26th, not the 24th. Mm-mm. No, 24th and 25th are both. Holidays. Well, that is news to me, actually. I wouldn't know. I don't check those. Uh, let's see here. If you, if you go to my blog, you'll find the link. Okay. Uh, well, let me look. Uh, well, should I, I read it during the break? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Your reaction makes me have to read it. Okay. I know. I, I'm just going to say this. Um, don't read it on the air without reading it first. Okay. Pre-read? Yes. Yeah. Right. It's, it's not safe for work. Somebody, uh, many, many people have somebody, but somebody just sent it to me now. And apparently it's a real thing. It is a photograph from some science blog or science journal. And it's been passed around the Internet all morning. And I've gotten a bunch of people who sent it to me. And I have not even looked at it yet. Featuring Senator Craig? No. It says, hey, tell me if you find this description disturbing. It's not disgusting or graphic or whatever. It's just, you know what I'm sort of fascinated by is things that are disturbing for reasons that you can't really put your finger on. And the example I always use is that Nine Inch Nails video for Closer. Uh, there's nothing sexual in there, really. There's that unpleasant thing where he's got a ball gag in. But, I mean, there's all of that imagery that isn't really sexual or violent. It's just weird. Uh, it's just certain images that are just off-putting for, for no real reason. Tell me if you find this description to be unpleasant. Hey, click on this to see a picture of a real octopus with human teeth. <gasps> Ooh. Ooh. Now, see, do you want to see that? Do you hear that, scary. Yeah, but I mean, it's compelling, but it's scary, right? I've had several people send that to me today. An octopus of human teeth? An octopus? That's a nightmare come to life. Uh, That is exactly what I'm talking about. How about this? Rick, click on this. The stuff nightmares are made of. This page has a picture, Rick, of a squid with human teeth. Human-looking teeth. They're not real human teeth, but they're teeth that apparently look just like human teeth. Look at this only if it's a strong day for you, Rick. No matter how twisted H.R. Giger might be, Mother Nature can come up with something that makes his creations, he did the alien, look like cute little Muppets. This has to be the holy S pick of the day. Scroll down to look at this photo. I hope you're doing okay today before you look at this. See, I don't, I don't even know if I want to look at it now. So... Anyway, I'll look. Send it to me, and I'll look, and I'll tell you. Okay, how I'm going to send this to you. Okay. Uh, I'm going to forward it to you right now. I will send it to your. Uh, okay, I'm clicking. I'm, I'm hitting forward. I don't want to accidentally look at this. I'm actually shielding uh, my eyes from the screen with my hand. Hold on. Okay, I'm clicking forward. I'm waiting for the picture to go away off my screen. I actually have my, because I am a sissy. I actually have my hand held up in front of me. Okay, here we go. Did you send it? Hold on, Sarah. Okay, I'm sending it to you right now. Okay, I'm refreshing. Okay. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, sir. Hi, Rick. Hey. Um, you said that you're going to be all alone on Christmas Eve. I'll come in and do the show with you. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. It's good to know that the flicker of warmth affection for the Rick Emerson Show burns brightly in the hearts of some. Well, 
I have a real job, but they let me off on the day before Christmas, Excellent. too. So. Well, thank you, sir. No, no problem. All right. appreciate it. Thank you, my friend. Bye. All right. There you go. All right. Have you got the uh, email? Yeah. Okay. All right. So click on the photograph of this alleged squid with human-looking <laughs> teeth. <laughs> that, that isn't it's real. It's funny-looking. Is it unnerving or is it funny? It looks pretty hilarious, actually. You don't find it, it, it creepy It looks like something way. from Sesame Street. Okay. I haven't. It, apparently, it, it's it, real. It's a Sesame Street creature with human teeth. I have not looked. It doesn't look real. No, it's not real. It looks like it's singing. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm looking it's at it now. <laughs> Okay, I'm looking now. I wonder if this is the uh, yeah, this is the same photograph that everybody's been sending me. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna open it right here. You know, because I find octopuses and octopi, octopuses, octopi and squid and things to be okay. See, that's just creepy. It isn't real. I don't know. It it seems pretty real. I mean, why would it I not? I understand. Is it is it in water right then? I think so because it's uh, because is it it's all because it's splayed out. It's floating. I'm just saying that's how you know they're coming for us. That photograph. That's how you know that our days are numbered. I told you about the discovery special that says in Those 10 million don't look years. Like teeth. I bet they're not teeth. I bet there's some kind of like. It's an eating hole. Of course they're teeth. What else would they be? Someday when you least expect it, you're doing the dishes. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Now, the Discovery Channel did a special a while back where they artificially advanced the Earth 10 million years and they discovered that uh, squid will be the dominant life form and they'll walk on land, by the way. I'm making this our MySpace picture. <laughs> Please do that. All right. Uh, well, we should take a break here. What do you think? And then what happens? We'll continue putting on a show. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Tim Riley uh, around the corner. More news. Uh, we'll talk to our good friend Dennis uh, Pitsenbarger later on. Scott Daly from Film Fever Radio. Um, uh, listen to that. I like this song. I do, too. Oh, that's so great. And then they cut right to her loading the car. This is kind of a Dennis Miller thing, by the way. It's a theme day. All music from Almost Famous. I listened to this soundtrack all summer before my senior year of college. By the way, i got to tell you, when I when watching Almost Famous, uh, I did not weep like a baby at this moment, uh, but my wife did. Just hearing just this song cue and the sequence of her loading the car to run away with her boyfriend or to move away with her boyfriend, that wasn't my wife. The, my, my wife's waterworks started right here. God, what a great song. What a great movie. Back after this. Uh, it's the Rick Emerson program. There's no need to be sarcastic. This email says, Rick, about your furnace. The email just says, whoa, 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 slow down. Your show is going a mile a minute. A furnace does what now? And also, what is this knob on my wall with the numbers on it? Ha ha. Thank you. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Coming up here in just a few minutes. Uh, CNN Radio correspondent James Roop. Later on, Scott Daly from Film Fever Radio. And uh, we'll give away another copy of American Gangster Season 1 on DVD. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, it's Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Breaking Britney news. Brittany got out of her car moments ago to go to court. Now, is this a Brittany watch? I suppose it could be. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your Brittany watch for Friday.
Brittany has arrived at the courthouse. She got out of her car, and then the gates quickly closed behind her. She is wearing sunglasses, a dark dress, a white purse. How do you wear a white purse? And she has on her lucky cowgirl boots. <laughs> oh, really? Kate Bet has arrived. Yeah. They're about to get in front of Commissioner Gordon. Outside the courthouse, Brittany went through a metal detector outside the courtroom, and she placed a small individual container. It appears to be applesauce, or perhaps even jello. There you go. Brittany watched for Friday. Sir, madam, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's going on, What's man? up? What do you got? Yeah, dude. I was just outside this little quick mark, you know, doing my, my job, and uh, I felt this drop of water, or, well, what turned out to be water, thank God, like, land right right on my forehead, and I, and under a cloud of sky, I reached up, hoping that it was water and not white with black speckles. And so what was it? It was water. How do you, know, not, how do you know it was water? Did you taste it? I did not taste it. Did you smell the liquid? No. So really, you are arriving at this conclusion with almost no evidence at all. It is simply your feverish hope that you uh, do not have some other liquid on you. Yes, at this point. Okay. Hey, and right, let me hold you. on. So let me ask you this: Is it raining? No, it's cloudless. It, yeah, there are no clouds in the sky. No clouds. It's sunny and beautiful. Uh huh. Um, did you take any of the liquid? Off? Where, where did it land on your body? Right. At my hairline, so right like a, on, on my forehead. On your forehead. Did you take any of the liquid from your forehead and put it on, uh, like a like a black or white piece of paper to adequately rate its color? Uh, no. Well, it was on my fingers because I reached up. But I mean, did you put your fingers that that is spread very thin and it's on a pink background? Did you did you have any sort of white or black background to put this water uh, substance on to analyze it? No, I didn't. I mean, in theory, it could have been from a pigeon because... I'm pretty sure a bird peed on you. <sighs> no, Not really no. so much a poo as it was, oh, as it was pee. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's that actually, you've been oh, peed on, sir. Yeah, that's, that's actually... Well, not uh, pee, but I've actually had that happen to me before where, where you're walking down the street. And you know how uh, Andrew Dice Clay said, you know, like... You know, birds don't, don't accidentally poop on you. No, it's... Uh, no, they hate us, yeah. Yeah, I was I was walking down the street one day, and all of a sudden, like a big drop landed right at my foot. Right. Like it was, like he was a little bit off target. There is a deer. there's a fantastic YouTube video uh, of Cindy Lauper performing a song live on stage, and at one point, and this is absolutely true, you can see this on the net. Uh, Cindy Lauper, who is a fantastic singer, opens her mouth to really hit a high note. Bam! Right in there, right in there from a bird overhead. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Hey, I was, was going to ask you, it's almost famous, that movie, where they're in the plane and the plane's going down. Yeah. And, oh, that is great. It's a great film. Uh, Yeah, that, where the, the plane is going through turbulence, they think they might die, and so they're sort of unburdening, they're sort of sharing secrets about their lives and whatever, and then, the, of course, the plane doesn't crash and there's all the awkwardness, yeah. Now, now didn't didn't uh, somebody get the inspiration? Like, I, I think I read somewhere the inspiration for that was... Uh, like the Leonard Skinner crash. Uh, it's actually a combination of three different things. Uh, and I only know this because I'm a tool and I spend all my time uh, alone in my house with electronic friends. So I was sitting there watching the commentary with his camera. And this is how cute is this? The commentary on Almost Famous is Cameron Crowe and his mom. 
Oh. Uh, and because, uh, you know, because Francis McDormand, because that is basically, it's the thinly veiled story of Cameron Crowe's real life. Because he started out as a rock critic when he was only 14, I think. Um, it is three different things. It's the Leonard Skinner uh, plane crash, because not everybody was killed in that crash. And he has interviewed the survivors of the Leonard Skinner plane crash extensively. And they, t- they said that it, it, there were a few minutes between when they knew they were going to crash and when they did crash. And there was that kind of conversation that, that happened. Um, also... There were, he is married to Nancy Wilson of Heart, Cameron Crowe is, and there was an incident like that on a Heart plane at one point, and also The Who had an incident sort of like that on an airplane, and he sort of merged them all into that scene. So, yeah, it's a combination of three different, three real stories. Wow. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, man. Thank you, sir. Let me just say that that guy, according to the call screening here, and I'm not blaming Richie for this, simply that the caller got misguided, said he was calling up to talk to us about a license plate he once saw. So let everybody know that he got to nothing even remotely approaching that. All right, it's 503-733-2970. I'm, this may or may not be Jim Roop. Is this Jim Roop, Richie Bristol? Fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, let's now welcome to the Rick Harrison Show from Los Angeles, James Roop. Hello, sir. Hey, boss. How are you, my brother? All right. Anything catch on fire today? Not me. Other than your career, <laughs> yeah. You mean it's burning out? Is no, no, you? no. No, I mean you are. I mean you are on fire, brother. You are. This, this is. You know what it is? Catching on fire and continuing to report, even as you are putting out flames on your own clothing, that is the sort of thing that gives one a Murrow Award. That's the thing that puts you right in the NAB Hall of Fame. That's that's not true. No. <laughs> well, I mean, the week's not over. Who knows? You might get the call. There is nothing of broadcast excellence anywhere anywhere in that mix. That was stupidity, and I was just lucky that uh, I felt it when I did. I don't know. you got to start to see. We have to work on how to spin the story. This is not how you, Really, if no one... Were, let me ask you this. Were there any witnesses to that except for the people that you were doing the broadcast to, you know, the, the people you were calling? No, it was the network. I mean, it was, no, the only witness, I mean, there was no witness. I was there by myself. Okay, so you need to start magnifying the story right now. You need to start exaggerating the story. You need to start the process of the Jim Roop myth building today. I'm, I'm ready just to forget it. All right, I'm just, you go to rickemerson.com, though. There's a great photograph of your pants, <laughs> uh, and I excerpted out the little audio where you're doing the, in fact, let me just, hold on, I think I've actually got it here. Hold on, let me, uh, in, case, in case anybody didn't hear this yesterday, hold on, let me, rickemerson.com. Jim Roop. Okay, so this is are you playing this for us? This yesterday is you playing uh, the actual um, soundbite yesterday, uh, and you were calling another radio station uh, when this happened, and 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 giving... the network when I was the network uh, okay. live shot calling the network. So here is let's see, this is I believe from yesterday. If this comes up, let's see, Jim Roop on fire. Oh, I'm on up here. There it is. CNN Radio, I'm Bill Cayaccio. Southern California is on fire. CNN's Jim Roof reports live raging wildfires are threatening thousands of homes. I tell you, Mother Nature is just not cooperating. Uh, just this fire alone in Castaic, the strong winds are helping push this fire to 15,000 acres. That's the latest figure. And there are fires burning from San Diego to the high desert. And... That just caught fire from Santa Barbara. About a dozen fires are burning in seven counties. Needless to say, the firefighting resources are stretched to near bursting, and this is what prompted the governor to declare a state of emergency, releasing funds to get more resources here. Reporting live, Jim Roof, CNN, uh, in Los Angeles. There it is. Were you still on fire at the end? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, it, it was hot. <laughs> but, I mean, 
Jesus. Okay, so at one point during that, I mean, just, you, you were reporting, and then you go. This is my favorite part. And there are fires burning from San Diego to the high desert. That just caught fire. How great is that? That really is wonderful. All right. Uh, so, you know, I guess to a day where your pants do not actually get themselves set on fire, that's a, I guess you have a different benchmark now for a good day, Jim. <laughs> I guess. I mean, you know, I mean, really, honestly, once you've done that, I mean, you've, you've earned your gold clusters uh, for this story. So what is the status of the fire now? I mean, where is it? When did, I, don't, I was asking Brooke Binkowski, the, 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 like, when do you know that the tide has been turned? Like, how do you, how do you know that you're on the comeback with this? Well, it has simply because the firefighter is actually able to fight the fire now instead of just defending homes because the winds are down, it's a little cooler, there's more moisture in the air, so there's plenty of opportunity for the firefighters to come in after the water drops and actually mount the real offensive on these flames. That's been the past couple of days. So now it's just a matter of mopping up for the most part. However, in running springs in the San Bernardino National Forest, they're still having Mandatory evacuations, those have not been lifted. This is the slide fire we're talking about, Lake Arrowhead, Running Springs. Um, they, uh, they still haven't allowed people to go back there because that, that thing's still burning out of control. There's, there's about 15% containment on that one. And so they found, now, there's the main, I guess it's not main, because there's many fires here, but they've X number of these fires they now think is just uh, there's some, uh, Nimrod going down there and setting things ablaze. I know they busted at least one guy for arson now, right? Well, yeah, but that was an ancillary fire, something that was... That was uh, set yesterday afternoon. They know that they know that the Santiago Canyon fire, the one in Irvine, uh, Orange County, that that is uh, that's a, a big fire, and that they know that was deliberately set. Uh, there's a quarter of a million dollar reward now for any tip that leads to that guy's arrest or person's arrest. But the problem is because they were talking about it yesterday. Whoever set that fire knew fire behavior, fire building. A wind, uh, what the wind effect is on fire, topography, the whole thing. I mean, this could be a firefighter, and this happened before. You yeah. know, that's that's the that's the freaky thing about it. This could actually be a firefighter who started this fire. Oh, that's creepy. All right. Well, are you? Uh, I mean, are you just on the clock until further notice? You get the weekend off? Are you off? When, when is? Yeah, I was just told I got to work a little bit tomorrow too. Yeah. Like I haven't. Had, I have one. I've had one day off in the last seventeen. Oh man! I uh, tell you what. I uh, if I if, you know if I knew where you were going to be fighting the fire, we'd just send you a case of Corona and just have it airdrop to you. That would be great. That's really what they ought to do to these guys. They really ought to do, you just be airdropping in big cases of Budweiser to the firefighters right now. So if I could if I could make that happen today, I would. So Good man. All right. Uh, well, I guess I'll let you get back to it. Hope you get some sleep and some rest at some point, sir. I will. All right, my brother. Have a good weekend to whatever degree that is possible. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Jim Roop in Los Angeles, uh, ladies and gentlemen. There you go. Uh, by the way, speaking of Jim Roop, uh, which means speaking about Brooke Binkowski, which means we were talking to her on... Tuesday, I think, and she is a CBS, she's actually a colleague of ours from CBS, she works at KNX in Los Angeles. Uh, we were talking to Brooke Binkowski, um, so awkward, we were talking to Brooke Binkowski on Tuesday, and she sounded very delightful, very charming. Somebody sent me her biography, which I believe is on the KNX website, and you know, she's a very attractive young lady. Now, I want to tell you right now, first and foremost, this is not a thing I did. I did not actively seek out her MySpace page. I didn't go looking for it. Um, the listeners, God bless them, uh, they just started stalking her all by their all by their own selves, and they started sending me a bunch of, hey, go, go to this link and check out Brooke Benkowski's MySpace page. And how do I put this? Do you know the photo I'm referring to, Sarah? The photo of Brooke Benkowski? 
Why, yes, I do recognize Now, that. is that a publicly... Well, I guess it must it's be. It's a public... Is she that on her MySpace page? Well, she's probably sent it to private by now, but... Let's go check before I say anything about it, because I don't wish to sound... If it's a well, photograph... I mean, I'm not friends with her, and I can see it. Okay. Um, I mean, it's pub... Let's see, I'm looking her up. I would, because if it's a photograph that she has gone to now, some lengths maybe to, to, to unshare, I don't want to send people there. And I don't want to make it sound like like we were poking around her looking. Uh, B-R-O-K-E-B-I-N-K-O-W-S-K-I. Okay, her, so her profile's still public. Okay, so let's see if that photograph is still there. Before there's I, a picture with her with Ron Jeremy. Really? Okay, well, if, if, okay, if there's a picture of her with Ron Jeremy, then I might as well be able to say this. Yeah. There is, and I know because somebody captured it and sent it to me, a photograph of Brooke Benkowski, to whom the listeners took an immediate liking, by the way, uh, dressed as a schoolgirl. There is a schoolgirl picture outfit. Not when she was a real schoolgirl, but like now as a... All grown up Brooke Benkowski dressed as a schoolgirl. <laughs> schoolwoman. Uh, yes. So, so that's awkward. Uh, but not nearly as awkward as this. This email says, and this is from a woman, by the way. So thanks, Rick. I took the liberty, and that's always a great start to an email, by the way. That's how you know it's going to be a whole new level of uncomfortable when somebody says, "Hey, you know, I took the liberty of, I took the liberty, Rick, of." I did something I knew was wrong. <laughs> exactly. That's totally what it is. I did something of which you will probably disapprove. This email says, Rick, I took the liberty of writing Brooke Benkowski and telling, you how, uh, telling her how much you liked her. <laughs> You're so creepy. Yeah, not me. I'm not creepy well, in any way. Well, I don't way. think the lister would have written that had they not thought that you, know, you liked her. I felt very bullish about her news-delivering skills. I, uh, I She's was, just like a little burst of sunshine. I was enthusiastic uh, about the prospect of I her. I think you're trying to replace Lisa Goddard. Relay, don't you ever say that. <laughs> She's older than I thought she was. <laughs> you wash your mouth out right now. Um... Anyway, so, so but it gets better. So the woman says, Rick, uh, uh, Janice says, I took the liberty of writing Brooke Benkowski and telling her how much you liked her. First of all, thanks, Janice, for not actually enclosing whatever it is you send her. So I have no idea what she told Brooke Benkowski. Um, and then listen to this. I have further taken the liberty of forwarding now to you, Rick, Brooke's response. Who wants to hear Brooke's response? I do. I do. Now, see, what I want to know even more, though, is what did she tell Brooke about me? And I don't mean that in a creepy like, did you tell her that I was, did you tell her that I was funny? I mean, I just want to know how she phrased it. I mean, when a, don't get me wrong, I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Uh, but when a listener acts as an unasked intermediary, you know, it, it's like we're doing some stupid journalistic version of Cyrano, where Janice is crouching behind a shrub, it, it, shouting things up at Brooke Benkowski, who's out on her balcony, brushing her hair. Um, anyway, so I don't know what she said to Brooke, but here's Brooke's response to whatever Janice passed along about me. I'm assuming this is real, by the way, and it seems very real. All caps. OMG! Exclamation mark. That makes me feel, all caps, so good. <laughs> Tell him I'm so sorry my phone died halfway through. Uh, I will add you back. Apparently Janice added her as a friend. Thanks so much, Brooke. So there you go. OMG. Oh. So uh, there you go. OMG. Mm-hmm. 
All right, it's uh, 503-733-2970, 503-733-2970. I just don't even know what anybody's calling about today. Not that there's... She doesn't smoke, but she does drink. Really? She's in a relationship. And what about... Well, that she went to some problem. college. Some college She wants somewhere. children someday. See, oh, no, it doesn't say not for me. Yeah. Hello. Oh. Oh, hello, okay. hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello, Rick. people out. What? How could, how could Sarah say that anybody could replace Lisa Goddard for crying out loud? That's Lisa's a, a classic. That's what I'm saying. Anytime Lisa. I hear one of those old uh, channel boxes, you know, the mystery noise, I think Lisa Goddard, classic. Brooke okay. Pinkowski just won't bring that kind of reaction. Sorry. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. All right. You there you go. No, it's... Uh... Oh, she shouldn't be shot down. So no, no, no. I, no. Don't get me wrong. I like Brooke Pinkowski based upon the limited interaction we had. Uh, she seems very smart, very funny. I'm saying... She and Lisa, they're the two, you know, different levels. They're on different, different, you know. Okay, so I have a question. So if you're looking on MySpace and you see, like, the child thing, doesn't some, do you ever kind of, even though, like, you're a happily married man, do you ever kind of mentally tick things off? Like, if I, if I see a guy that I think like is good theoretical. looking. Like a theoretical. Yeah, theoretical. So, like, if I see a guy that I think is good looking and I look at his profile and it's like, children, someday, I immediately kind of tick him off nope. the list. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, I do appreciate you giving the disclaimer thing. Rick, even though you are a happily married man, let me ask you. The thing is, you know what it is? It's, and I don't mean this to sound as creepy as it does, because I, because it involves a word that would be misconstrued. So I don't mean the colloquial use of this word. But I am mean, sort of like a fantasy baseball thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, fantasy baseball. You're not really playing baseball. You're not really any, you know, you're, you're a fat guy sitting at home eating corn chips when you do fantasy baseball. Let's be honest. This is fantasy dating. And I don't mean fantasy mm-hmm. like I sit around and pine about no, it. No, I know what you it's, mean. A theoretical dating. Like my friend uh, my friend Todd and I used to play this game. And I don't know women do this too. Uh, if we would be out, like we'd be having lunch somewhere, if we would be out publicly, Todd and I would play this game where we would take the next, uh, how do I put this? Of the next ten women that walked by us, so like let's say we're sitting outside having lunch. Women are walking by, and of course men do, but women are walking by. And the deal we would, the, the game we would play when women walked by is, okay, of the next ten women that walk by our table, you have to pick one. Now, and if, and if, and if by the time the tenth one walks by, you haven't picked one, the tenth is yours. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it would be like, of the next ten women that walk by, you've got to pick one that you'd go with. But, you know, by the end, if you haven't picked one, you get the tenth one. And so that we would do that all the time. And guys, and I, so I think guys do that, but apparently, yeah, you do it too with this. But when I see the kids someday, yeah, immediately it's like, no. I no, totally meant to take that off because I'm because no, mm-hmm. no. The best response on MySpace is not for me. That's exactly the love kids, but not for yeah, me. That way you don't kids, seem like an ass. Love kids, not for me. You know the the thing about MySpace. I, I now see. I hesitate. This is like our discussion yesterday here on KCMD Portland. I hesitate to even wade into these discussions about MySpace sometimes because it does, because this is stuff that everybody does. Uh, you know, man, woman, gay, straight, birth, death, infinity. Everybody does this. But it does sort of, the awkward thing about it, admittedly more awkward for us because we're now speaking to thousands of people, is because it makes you seem like you're trying to be available when you're not. Uh, do you know what I mean? What does? Uh, what I'm about to say, okay. like you, like your thing of saying when you look at a MySpace and you mental, when you look at a guy's MySpace profile, even if you are dating someone, I know you're currently not, but even when you are dating somebody, when you look at a guy's MySpace profile, you you mentally assess. You're like, well, would I? Hmm, would I or would I not? Mm-hmm. Just like Todd and I, uh, who would sit there, we would women would walk by, and of course we're guys, and what do you do? You go, well, would I or wouldn't I? It's just a thing you do. So, 
It's just it's it, it's one of those things that's a little sticky to talk about though because it makes it look like you're you know like you're you know whatever, like you're out shopping. Um, but what was the point I was going to make? MySpace. It was going to be not a creepy make, thing. Oh no, it's not a creep. Well, inadvertently perhaps. You said. <laughs> the thing about MySpace is, have you noticed this? That I don't think, and you actually can probably answer this question better than me. On MySpace, I don't think they give you an option for like dating. Or like casually dating or yeah. whatever. No, it's either single or in a relationship. There is or no swinger. Yeah, and that's it. <laughs> swinger. There is no. There is no sort of like, you know, seeing some folks. You know, nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing serious. And I'm. It surprises me that that isn't there, because if you're, especially well, as a woman, a big step if you're dating somebody to switch it from the single to in a relationship. It's like, am I ready for the relationship? I don't know if I'm ready for the relationship. And then everyone gauges your relationship on whether or not you say you're in a relationship on MySpace. And let me ask you this. Tim has no idea what we're talking about. No, is it? Is this about one of those booty calls? Yes. Yes. Let me ask you this. Um, so, it seems like as a woman you don't want to put single, though, because then you're getting nothing but guys. I mean, let's be honest. You get that anyway, no matter how attached you say you are. But if you say single, you're going to get a bunch of guys who are like, ergo, she is on here to pork someone. And so then you get all of the guys who are like, hey, I noticed you're single. I'd like to mingle, you know? <laughs> but you don't want to put in a relationship because then that maybe it overstates the... Because it does seem presumptuous, the... like, well, am now, I in a relationship? Okay, now can I ask you this? This is an awkward question, but we're already so deep into this. <laughs> um, the last... Uh, I'll put it this way so you can sort of, in your head, insert whoever you want into this equation. The last serious relationship you were in, how long after the breakup did you go to MySpace and change the status? Actually, you made me. Remember, I'm just like, I'm just going to leave it like this for a while. I don't care. And you're like, no, you're single. Did I? I don't remember doing that. Yeah, totally. Because I didn't know because I was... It makes me sound like a terrible person. Because I was having a dilemma. I'm like, what should I do? Should I... Because I'm not actively looking to be in a relationship, but I'm not in one anymore. Did I say that it was an important step within yourself mentally? Yes. You have to mentally say, look, I, Sarah, am now single. Mm -hmm. You had to embrace it. I don't even remember doing that. I guess it sounds like something I I think it was a few... I think it was like a week. Yeah, well, it because four or five days. I guess because I guess maybe it's like ripping the bandaid off. Mm-hmm. You have to just do that. This is also awkward. I know. Uh, well, let me get these calls and then. Well, we might as well just run late here because, f it. Why not? Uh, let's see. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, hey, Rick. You're starting to freak me out. Is uh, Lisa not coming back after her honeymoon? No, Lisa's gonna, Lisa's gonna be back. We're big Lisa fans. Just saying replacing Lisa. I, in no way are we replacing Lisa. Uh, and, and let me just note that somebody from the audience made some crack about that, or maybe Sarah made some joke about that. In no way. And let me just tell you this. I, I'm pretty sure that we will not speak to Brooke Benkowski uh, again, and not because we dislike her, but because they brought her off of the bench because CNN is so overtaxed with people covering the fires. I don't even think she's a CNN correspondent. I think she works for CBS Los Angeles. She's, yeah, it says she's a journalist. And I think she. they brought her in. Uh, as sort of, you know, like a temp, basically. And then, I don't know what the word for it is. But they brought her in basically because she lives there and she used to work for CNN. So they kind of brought her back from retirement just to cover the fire thing. Now, there is only one, much as we like Brooke, uh, there is only one Lisa Goddard. She'd be a great addition to the show. I mean, she's kind of the hot California girl, but nothing's better than the hot nerd Lisa. So. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Thank you, sir. All right. All right, now, Lisa should be back on Monday following her uh, honeymoon in, Pet- in Italia. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, I had a comment. Sarah said the other day that she ignores messages that people send to her. Ignores? Well, no. Let's or uh, act, like you, act like you didn't read them. Let's clarify. When did I say that? What was I talking well, about? Well, no, no, no. Let's clarify two things. We were talking about two different things. Um, one, I was talking about the difference between Facebook and MySpace. God, we're tools. Um, 
about how you can just ignore someone forever as opposed to MySpace, which is like an active, you have been rejected. Uh, B, we were discussing, this was yesterday, uh, there was a guy that Sarah had once uh, known. I think you were the one who said he was a mistake you had once you made. Mistake I made. And then years later, like all guys, he is thumbing through his mental Rolodex and says, Sarah Dillon, and sends her a MySpace message that is a thinly veiled come on, to which she is never going to reply ever. Right, that's what I was referencing. Yeah, the she's no, not guy. random people. No, no, not a random. No, no, no. I mean, we're, you know, we're all we try to be very conscientious about that. I know Sarah. Well, does I ignore too. random guys like Kevin who ask me. I can't even say this on the air. Like I get random creepy emails. Can I? All can I come read it? Yeah. Hold on. So Kevin, hold on a second. This guy named Kevin, whose uh, profile quote actually says, "Actively seeking women between the ages of 26 and 44." Well, you can say that. I mean, you may not want to. I'll Actually, no, I'll no, let's not it. say it. Okay, well, um, let me just ask this. So there was a guy who, here's the kind of thing Sarah will not respond to. I don't mean to sound like a big brother, but I can tell you this. Here's the sort of thing that will never get a response from Sarah. And I am not, uh, I'm not like encouraging everybody to hit on Sarah via the Internet, but I'm saying if you want to correspond with her, here's a few things that are not going to get a response. Uh, saying like, hey, I'd really like to do you. D- d- no. Also, this guy who uh, he asked. Who must be a listener because he said he asked if my ears are okay after that. Yeah. Ew. And Sarah, as you might know, Sarah colors her hair a lot, and she's a whole lot of the crazy punk rock coloring in her hair that the kids love. And he had expressed curiosity about the nature of Sarah's hair coloring and whether it was sort of a uniform hair color, if you know what I mean. That guy's never going to get a response. Ever. I don't care what that guy does. His his messages from now on could come with $1,000 bills, and he won't get a response. Never. So that's that's the sort of thing that doesn't get a response from Sarah. Right. The point I was going to let her know, though, is that... I found this out by accident one day. They can actually see if you've read the message on MySpace. I don't think that's true. Yeah, they can. Can yeah, they see yeah. if you've read their I think message? Either says sent or read. I didn't know that. Well, whatever. I mean, I read messages, but you know what? I'll be the first to admit this. And I, I get people. I don't mean to turn this into a fetch fest. And then we got, and then I, I got to move on. We got uh, uh, somebody on the phone. We got to talk to, and then we got Scott Daly, who will bring in a minute. But I going to say this. Um, I get a lot of messages. Either to me or sometimes posted, uh, like, I, and, and I don't sit and obsessively read the, you know, my own MySpace thing or whatever, but I, but I, you know, people will say, well, I have emailed Rick, you know, about this, and I have never heard back, and what an ass, and F him for not responding to my email, and I understand that. It's a common, it's human nature. I understand that. But not to be about the glory of us, because you know what? Whatever. The Rick Emerson show, as Steven Tyler would say, doesn't mean S to a tree it, 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 to most people, but I will say, uh, that all of us here in the program, and maybe me more so than others, but I get many, many, I get a lot of email. I just do. And I read it all. Uh, I respond to some of it. Some of it just doesn't get responded to. And the same thing with MySpace messages. I just, there's just not enough time. Uh, and so, you know, if you send me something on MySpace or if you send me an email, it'll get read. Absolutely. Sometimes it gets read on the air. Occasionally, get, you know, I'll try to respond to as much as I can. But it's just like a full-time job. There's no way. So, anyway. So that guy can see it. But you know what? If a guy sends Sarah an email going, hey, uh, so uh, I got nine minutes and uh, why don't you come over to my house at four in the morning and just you know what if he if she if he sees that she has read that and hasn't responded maybe it'll uh encourage him to be less creepy in the future oh yeah i just wanted to make sure that she was aware just looking out for her best interest okay well thank, thank you, you sir. sir we appreciate it sure. all right thank you you want to know a little bit about kevin <laughs> more than anything Six one dark brown hair okay it's really black i'm supposed to wear glasses i have large size hands 11.5 size feet animal lover except for snakes 
I own two cats. I would someday like to live on 15 to 20 acres in a Victorian house with turrets and have sheep and alpaca. With turrets. Yeah, except he said turrets. Turrets. Why are most houses these days so damn square? I'll, I'd also want to foster animals that need homes on the rest of the acreage. Oh, and I want a swimming pool like the one I left back in Vesalia. I'm pretty frank about sex being influenced by Dr. Drew Pinsky, who's a hero to me. Joyce Elders, John Hopkins School. No, I don't think I've ever had sexual addiction or out-of-control behavior. That's yeah, you're <laughs> never getting a response to any of your MySpace messages, dude. I, I'm sorry. I, uh, yeah. You know what? I see a lot of polyurethane in your future. Uh, you know, it might be overly cruel reading this, but you, I, I can't even say on the air the, me- the messages I've gotten. Oh, no, no, no. I've seen some of the stuff. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, and we're not trying to single the guy, but seriously, the feet and hands thing is creepy, first of all. Uh, big hands. And, you know, I'm sexually frank, as opposed to most guys, because most guys are such shy, wilting violets about the whole thing. And you know what? Putting on your MySpace page, I don't think I have a sexual addiction. You know what that is? That is a guy uh, backhandedly trying to uh, impress you with how much, how what a sexual animal he is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That is a guy who is hoping that you will then say, I don't know, why would he have been told he has a sexual addiction? I bet he must be a panther. That's really <laughs> what that is. That's totally. <laughs> don't ever do that. That's, ah, that's what that is. <laughs> hey, uh, Richie Bristol, can we bring Scott Daly into the studio, please? That would be fantastic. Uh, before we do that... Oh, we kind of uh, got on a thing there, huh? We got into a thing. Uh, I got to take this phone call, and then we'll uh, talk to Scott Daly. Uh, oh, I've just hit the busy all. I'm sorry. Let's uh, welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, and I hope I'm reading this correctly, uh, from uh, uh, Mistress of Reality. Uh, is this uh, Izzy? Hello. Hi. How are you doing, Izzy, from hey, Mistress good. of Reality? Hey, uh, is it... Uh, let me make sure. Let me make sure that I've got this correct here. Is, this actually, is it actually Izzy Osborne? Yes. Okay, just just checking. I don't have the. Uh, I actually don't have the sheet in front of me. Um, we've been actually we've been talking about this for because you guys are coming to uh, to Mount Tabor. Yes, we are. And Looking forward to it. Is it next? And the, the reason we bring this up is because I think I was actually going to tease this later on, but you're actually on the phone, so much the better. Um, in studio next Tuesday, I believe you guys are going to be in studio with us. Yeah, that would be great. So. Uh, yeah. And it's it's like a whole three. It's like you guys, and there is uh, I think an ACDC uh, tribute band that's going to be there as well. Do you guys have a web a website for Mistress of Reality? Yeah, mistressofreality.org. All right, and you are is, is it the only or the preeminent uh, female Black Sabbath tribute band? Uh, it's world's only all female tribute band. to Black Sabbath. All right, and because because you are Izzy Osborne, I am now legally required to ask the names of the other three members. We have uh, Sheezer Butler uh-huh. and um, Nancy Iomi. Yes. And Jill Ward. Man, Jill Ward. That's that okay. That's the best. That's my favorite. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, I'm going to put you on hold. Uh, back on hold here with uh, with Richie Bristol. Uh, and uh, he is going to make sure that we have your contact information because we're going to have you guys in the studio with us next Tuesday. Uh, right. And I know that we're going to be, I think we're going to be doing some giveaways and stuff for the show at Mount Tabor as well. So we look forward to talking to you next Tuesday. Okay. Thanks so much, Rick. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, Richie, can you talk to Easy Osborne there on line one, Mistress of Reality? Uh, so they're going to be in the studio with us next Tuesday uh, before their, uh, their gig, as the young people say, at Mount Tabor. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. <laughs> From FilmFeverRadio.com, Scott Daly. Hello, sir. How are you? Oh, you're growing a beard. Yes. Now, yes, we can. Let me just ask. Yes. Let me just ask before we do anything else. Okay. Now, is this, uh, 
You know what I'm going to ask. I know what you're going to ask. Okay. Yes, yes ask? or no? Yes. Okay. So here's the thing. Do you ever see a girl who has really long, flowing hair of one color, and then you see her next week, and the hair is either shorter or a different color or both? Or dyed black. Or dyed black. Oh, you mean... Yeah. Ah. And you know exactly what's happened. When a woman cuts her hair suddenly, changes her hair color suddenly, does anything drastic to her hair suddenly, you know that she has just broken up with someone. You know that a relationship has just ended. Now, with that in mind, hold on. <clears throat> Hey, Scott, you're growing a beard. Yes, sir. What's that all about? <laughs> well, it started a few weeks ago. Hey, man, what's when, that all uh, about? Hey, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's right. uh, the beard thing just kind of happened. It it's not, does not coincide with my upcoming divorce. Uh, oh. Awkward. Yeah. yeah. Have a heart, Rick. I am. I no, totally have a heart. I'm trying to. What am I going to do? Rick actually was very, very kind I, a few weeks ago and sent me his... Condolences and he, thanks. He, and he stuff sent me and, an email about it. I didn't yeah. mention it because I don't want to be the, you know, I don't want to be that guy. I just, I don't, I don't know what I can say. I have. That's true. There know, really isn't anything. There to really say. isn't, you know. You and, know, and it's, 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 it's the suck. We, we, it is the suck, and we, we have, we have vowed to. Uh, I think it's be hard to talk about. We, we, we vowed to uh, make this as easy as possible for us because we have kids, right? You know, son and daughter, and. Uh, we're we're not. It's not going to be ugly, you know. We're not going to get in the whole custody battle. Or not, well, you don't depress the crowd. No, that's no, fine. I mean, I mean, yeah, it's, you know, it's, and we certainly don't have to talk about it. But I, you know, it's about you know, it's important. It goes on in my life. I mentioned it on our show last week, and uh, you know, it's the first time I've been in the studio. The reason I was in L.A. a couple weeks ago was just to get out of Dodge for a few days because right. uh, I just needed to get out of town. And um, you know, it's uh, it's the anger stage of it. It's kind of passed a little bit. That's good for us, I suppose, and, since I'm within <laughs> punching. Range. Uh, the acceptance part has kind of kicked in, and we're we're not talking about what we need to do to uh, let it go forward. But at this point, I don't think there's any hope for saving the marriage piece of it, the relationship piece we're working on. Um, but it's yeah, it's well. We it's, talked to you a couple of weeks ago uh, when Nickel Arcade was here, and I I knew at the time because you had told me you're like, hey, right. I I won't be in today. I'm gonna be in Los Angeles drinking, and and I. I not to make light of it, but it was sort of, I mean, we did talk to you that day, and it's like I could hear the clinking glass in your hand <laughs> as you were by the ocean just with a huge glass of alcohol. I was like, how are you? I'm drinking. <laughs> and, I mean, you know, because, you know what? Because what else are you going to do, man? I mean, it's, you Exactly. Know, exactly. It's, you know, it just, I hate it. My wife hates it when I use this phrase, but, you know, it is what it is. I mean, it is. Gotta, it really is. And it's, 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 it's the hardest thing I've ever had to go through, you know? I mean, it's, uh, to be... To be in this position, um, the blame game is over. All that is done. It's just, okay, what do we do now? What has happened in the last nine years that hopefully won't have to happen again? Right. Um, and, you know, it's now it's, it's the weird little things, you know, where you're <laughs> – for example, before I flew, before I left for L.A., I downloaded uh, George Harrison's All Things Must Pass. Oh. They just posted on, on iTunes. That's sweet. I'll grab that and listen to it in the plan of the way down. Oh. Not thinking about – What's really in the album? Oh, you weren't lyrics. looking for a sad song. No, I just hey, you were looking George for Harrison, some remastered, very cool, two disc set, uh -huh. nine ninety nine iTunes. Where's bum, that done. Depeche Mode record of mine? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I'm sitting there on the plane, and then isn't it the pity comes on? And isn't it the pity uh, how we break each other's hearts? It's like, oh my god! Oh man! Uh, All weekend, oh, every oh. single song that I of heard, course. you know, you name it, Nick Cave, you just, yeah. it's just boom, boom, just kicking me in the dance, and it's just like. Yeah, no, and it's so, yeah, it's, I, it, it's just like a. I it, felt like uh, for your cure box set. Exactly, I felt like uh, 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 better off dead. 
You know, oh yeah, Blaine, she's Blaine gone. Meyer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah every every radio right station he's looking for. <laughs> I uh, ways to leave your lover. <laughs> I. Uh, it's funny how those songs find you too. They seek they you out. They track you down and, yeah. and haunt you for days. Well, what's scary is they're always there, but you just don't notice them. Right, you notice them. them totally. And you know, and here's the other thing. Now, see, now we're just going to do a thing. But what are you going to do? It's uh, it is life, as they say. The um, the other thing is. It, this is the danger, too, of when you're in a relationship, the danger of having a song that is yours. <laughs> because then then that song, your song, is always on the radio, and and always, always, your your band will immediately come to town a week later, mm-hmm. too. And I, you know, I had that, too, the thing where it's like every time, uh, you know, a band would come through town, and it was like, you know, whatever. And it was like, you know, some band that you had really been into with some girl. And yeah. I, um... I mean, I had that moment. Everybody has this story, I guess. I think I told, actually, of all people, Lisa Goddard about this. That this is a long time ago. Um, the girl, uh, well, the girl that we refer to as Amy in, in Bigger Than Jesus. Um, we, and we did the thing of making up, breaking up, making up, breaking up. And it's sort of in the midst of the final, you know, the, 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 you know, the whole final deal. Uh, and it sounds cheesy, actually. It, it, it sounds dumb when I, when I get ready to say it out loud. But we were having... Like you said, sort of the the uh, the angry section was receding at least, and it was into the sort of realization like, well, okay, I guess this is an actual thing. I guess we're actually finally, you know, let's split up our record collection. You know, we're in the final sad phases, and the radio is on the background, the classic rock station. And you talk about a song that you hear all the time, and you don't notice, or at least you hear in a different way, and people will snicker at this. But the opening slow, sad, three and a half minutes of Freebird comes on. Oh, God. Before it gets all, like, rocking at the end. Yeah, and yeah. it's just like that whole, you know, and it's like that don't take it so hard, babe, because Lord knows I'm to blame. You know, if I stayed here with you, things just couldn't be the same. And it's like, I have to tell you that as horrible as it was, as soon as we heard that, you know, if I leave, and she and I looked at each other, and we just started laughing uncontrollably. That is so crazy, because there's this there's this song by The Good Life called Album of the Year, and that's exactly how it is. It starts with their breakup, uh-huh. the album does, and at the very end, they're sorting out their records. They're separating out their records together, and a rat runs across the floor, and they both start, and it says they both start laughing until it didn't hurt. It's yeah. weird. That's exactly oh, I know, and it's like we both, and it was like the laughing and crying all at once, uh-huh. and just sat there on the floor... Surrounded by boxes of our crap, listening to Freebird and just crying and laughing and just sort of like f this. And I mean, it, uh, you know, and I'm yeah, not, I'm not going to say that everything was great after then, but it was kind of a moment that I'll remember. It was, it was, I, I think know. I think it's a it's a it's a kind of moment that you kind of need to kind of ground you. Um, you know, while I was in L.A., she kind of went through the DVDs and separated the DVDs and stuff. And you know, the ones she wanted to keep, the ones I got to keep, and uh, one of the ones that she had in her collection was uh, our, my Chasing Amy DVD. Oh. But she had is, your DVD is, in her collection. It is, it is my autographed copy of Chasing Amy, autographed by Kevin Smith, on which he wrote, Scott and Maxine, now oh. you could never split up. Oh, Kevin Smith. Oh, 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 oh God. Oh, it burns. <laughs> I want to send Kevin an email and say, look what you did. You hey, know. thanks, But Dick. it's mine. Oh, mine. damn. So, All right. Yeah, so that's, that's my exciting world. It's uh, it's a bummer, but hey, eh, what are you gonna do? 
Well, we won't do the top five most depressing songs of all time. Let me scratch oh, that you. off the list. And I, uh, no, I'm just, I, I don't, yeah. No, I, no, 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 I'm just, I'm saying, I was just screwing. Well, because no, see, that, we even, we have sold, I will not play Cats in the Cradle No, because that's such a running joke, actually, about how we always play depressing songs for you. I think we'd all cry if we played Cats in the Cradle. Oh, no, we'd have to kill ourselves. That would be it for me. What would you like to hear? Do you have a request? What's the happiest song we have? I know. Give me a song, Scott. I'll you know, find it. The song that always makes me happy when you play on the show is it's Common Profanity People. Free. Oh, Common People yeah. by Pulp. Is that oh. labeled? Because some of those are unlabeled. They're just can, in there. Uh, let's see. Hold on. Let me see that if I can. Makes um, me happy. Let's see if I've got. Uh, let's see if we can find but a, a little something that's going to make we you. <laughs> Thanks for that. Wait. Exactly what I had. Let's see, how about the... Uh, let me see, let me find it. Hold on. Uh, let me see, how about the... What else do we have here that might uh, might not be depressing? Let me look here. Okay. Peep my bling bling. You can't be a doctor with that kind. Is that that's not that. Where is that's not? I thought I no. I uh, I thought that was uh, that was that's Cosby screaming or something. I thought that was Cosby singing the um, Sergeant Pepper song. Let me let me let find one more here. Hold on, let me see what I've got. No, none of these are really doing the job, Sarah. What do you have over there? Oh, there we go. There we go. Take a break after this, ladies and gentlemen. Here's a little pulp common people from the different class CD. You stay there. I'm trying to match his mood. No, no, no. We're trying to improve his mood. I got the money. <laughs> That's fantastic. There we go. Yeah. See, everything's oh, it's better. It's a special Monday morning mix. <laughs> what is sad bastard music? We happen to be sad and looking for this. Turn it off, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> Listening to the new Bell and Sebastian. <laughs> Boy, no. You know what we could do a top five of one of these? We should do the top five, top five angrily happy songs, like like un, like aggressively happy. I can't think of a song right now that is more shriekingly, irritatingly happy than this one. This this takes the day. This is number one. I mean, that's why it's our news that hurts best. Uh, no, you know what? I, I thought about watching Most Famous tonight. I'm going to watch High Fidelity instead. That's a good... Now, see, yeah. High Fidelity is a good breakup it movie or book. It is a good breakup movie. Yeah. It really is. They just turn it up and just... 
laugh and cry. Yeah, no, high fidelity is great because it addresses every issue, all of your issues. <laughs> Not so much this. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen of the Ministry of Truth, it's Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Oh, by the way, Tim, before you do anything, let me just uh, let me take care of Let me do a little business here, as they say, mm-hmm. with, the, uh, with the whole... Uh, Damn, it feels good to be a gangster. <laughs> Come on. <clears throat> All right, here's Tim Riley. But the latest from the Britney K. Fed courtroom is the media has been asked to leave, but it was noticed before being thrown out. That Britney's nails are bitten down and her red polish is extremely chipped. Really? Mm-hmm. Fantastic. So, there we go. We'll just call that a Britney watch. If this doesn't make you smile, Scott. <laughs> the fact that you have these reports on Britney's fingernail polish. Let Britney's pain be your tonic. Let her sweet tears be your, uh, whatever, your thing. Very odd dream of Britney's tears. In other news, this just in, Oregon Attorney General Harney Myers says the state will appeal the judge's decision to order Snowball back to the forest. You want what Snowball? Is, you know, can I just say this? Man. Really, you got a little, you got something in your teeth about this Snowball story. Breaking news: <laughs> Snowball a carrot. <laughs> I mean, really, a, a, a man's got to have a passion. Don't get me wrong, but seriously, there's something wrong with you. You have an inordinate interest in this deer. I'm just saying it's a little, it's it's a, it's a sweet little cute. plushy thing, isn't it? I, 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 okay. It's a cute little deer. There. Who could, who would not want to hear this? Uh, yeah, I suppose. I. All right. There's a tug of war going on for the custody of Snowball. Okay. And so Snowball between just... the evil state and the family. <laughs> You know that Michael Eisner or whoever, Jeffrey Katzenberg, is trying to option it right now as a film. You know, he's <laughs> totally on that. All right, fine. Oh, by the way, there was a big line in front of the new Macy's. Even though the area, the neighborhood, looks like a bombed-out war zone. <laughs> a bunch of old ladies with knitting needles uh, sticking out of their hats uh, waited in line today. Apparently, they're giving away $500 gift certificates in uh, more stuff tomorrow. All right. So you know, do they not know that there is a Macy's, uh, you know, like five minutes away? There's a great one at the streets of Tennis Point. And there's now. like, there's one at there's one Lloyd, Lloyd Center. Center. There's one at Washington Square. Mm-hmm. Nobody I mean, wants to go to Lloyd Center. Well, like anybody I wants think. to go to downtown Portland. <laughs> That's true. Who do you know that I want to spend a day trying to find a parking space in downtown Portland? Fantastic. I mean, do you realize that the single biggest reason right now to go down to Portland is that if you need a place to pee at midnight, they've got a bathroom. That's it. That's all you can say to recommend down to Portland. That's still open, I heard that was a trial thing. What? Really? They took it away? No, I'm not sure if they I hadn't even peed there. I I thought it was a (laughs) month-long trial. Get on that. (laughs) I I hadn't even christened it, I haven't heard any talk on the street about that at all. Any strange talk on the street (laughs) from from your people, your people's... And don't forget, this is not the weekend you turn the clocks back. It used to be, but not anymore. Thank you for reminding me, Tim. I was gonna. Boy, you know the thing about working in radio. Calendar. Working in radio, the best time in radio was then. It was when it was a uh, uh, spring, and you would spring ahead because you got paid for six hours and only worked five. Mm-hmm. That was always. Boy, and how sad an industry! I got an extra hour. I mean, that was always the greatest thing about radio is getting paid for that one hour. The historic uh, Maytag washing machine factory in Newton, Iowa. 
I sure. The abbreviation is IA. I've never seen it before. Iowa. All right, Iowa is closing down. This was the town's only business. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. The I guess I shouldn't have laughed at that. The Maytag washing machine. I that think was it is synonymous with Newton to this point. Now we're going to move on to a new future now that this is happening. You're not going to move on to anything. You're new- yes, it's a bright new future for Newton, Iowa. We've lost over 4,500 jobs over the past seven years. And our housing market is actually, we're actually selling more houses in our town than we have. Um, our, our school growth, we gained two students this year. So we're weathering it well, but we have a lot more to go. That's right, two new students. It's things are on things are on the turnaround. Newton on the move. <laughs> their only business? Yeah, that's their only industry. They made made tack washing machines there. They have for generations. Okay. Well they lost uh let's see here, six hundred jobs. Maybe it's not a such a, uh, such a good idea to manufacture a product that never needs fixing or replacing, huh? <laughs> That is true. Maybe maybe they ought to rethink that a little bit. Maybe they ought to make GE appliances. They they always need fixing. Well, there's always work at the post office. Exactly. Good reference. (laughs) Um, Yeah, okay. Well, somebody didn't think that marketing plan all the way through. Let's make something that you only have to buy once and that we we will therefore have no need to make in 2007. All right. Well, I must return to the newsroom. Well, okay then. Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. Greatest newsman in history. Hey, Tim, before you go, do you want to try one of these potato chips? Ooh, what are those? What kind are they? These are Blair's Death Rain potato chips. Huh? These are Blair's Death Rain potato chips. What do they what? look like? They're, they're potato chips. They're, they're from the vending machine in the kitchen. Oh, no, thank you. They're, no, you really want to try no, one? No, no, no. Come on. No. Come on. No. Come on. <laughs> you can't force them, Rick. He's getting angry, Rick. I will not make Tim Riley angry. <laughs> would, you, would you eat these on a boat? If <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Titanic going down. Uh, all right, who wants to try one of these? They're fantastic. They really are very How do you good. know that? I'll try because one. I've had them. Oh. I asked the vending machine guy to uh, to stock more of them. There was only one. These look like regular. Yeah, they're like kettle chips. All right, one I'll try one. Sample bag, and I, they were so good. I asked him to stock more, but the danger is, mm-hmm. the danger is that they're so good. I want to eat all of them. Oh, it's hot. That's what I'm saying. Oh. I don't like that. They're called. De- There's a skull on the front. Do they have? Ge- <laughs> do they have jalapenos in them? Yeah. No. No, they don't. Ooh, those are tasty. No, these are habanero chips, I believe. Um, those are quite delicious. They're they're great, and they're only medium. Oh, hey, so uh, real quickly, uh, we're gonna break here in a second. What have you to review for us today, mm. Scott Daly? Did we do the review now or tease? Just tease it. We'll do it. Okay. On the other side, Blade Runner, the final cut. Okay. Excellent. Blade Runner on the other side. And I want to talk about an exciting thing happening at the Hollywood Theater on Sunday as we'll well. We'll do that as well. Right now I'm going to eat these potato chips. Back after this. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Show. All right, this will make you this will make you smile, Scott Daly. All right, how about this? Don't take me, bro. This is fantastic. Oh, I've got one more then. This is great. It's genius. In this situation, is Hammer really hurting him? Yeah, really. All right, hold on. I uh, how much one more? Okay, I got one. Another, now that we've done that, I got to do the other one, and then we'll talk about um, we'll talk about uh, Blade Runner. Let me just. Uh, from Dan Bozo. Yes, I've heard this. This is fantastic. This is even so, better. This is better. This is better. Don't take me, bro. 
Let his pain be your balm. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. This music is the perfect opportunity to talk about Blade Runner. Blade Runner. Yeah, Blade Runner, the final cut, opens this week at Cinema 21. Um, you know, Blade Runner is probably my favorite science fiction film of all time. It's uh, right up there with 2001 and Star Wars. It's so... <laughs> this movie, this this movie and this music could not be more dissonant. Scott, Scott's trying to talk forth. to me about Blade Runner, and I'm like jiggering <laughs> back and forth. Do the white man's overbite. You uh, know what? We should talk about the realization that Scott came to. Oh, yeah. During the break. All right, well, so let's just wrap this okay. up in like 30 seconds. Well, is this, the, is, is this the Blade Runner that's on that new five-disc yes. box set? Yes, this is All a right. little tease to get the, that beautiful briefcase five-disc box set that's out there, right? That's going to be out there in uh, December 18th, I think. But this is a beautiful film. When I was in L.A., I saw this on a digital screen, and it was fantastic. I was blown away how beautiful this print is. Everything's cleaned up. It's been touched up. Um, not a lot of difference between this and the director's cut. But the ending, there's a significant difference. It cuts off way before the director's cut ending. And I prefer this version better. I'm and, not going to give anything away. And this is at Cinema so 21? Cinema 21. I don't believe I, they don't have a digital projector, so I doubt it will be digital. So but still, 21. I mean, when, how often do you get to see Blade Runner on the big screen? Exactly. So. Uh, so and then real quickly, what's going on at the Hollywood Theater? The Hollywood Theater, this Sunday at 2 o'clock, they're showing Lon Chaney in Phantom of the Opera, accompanied by a live organist. Ooh, that's very cool. Yeah, the original silent film, accompanied by a live organist at, Man at the Hollywood faces. Theater. Oh, it's going to be so great. Yeah. Yeah, so that's happening at uh, Hollywood Theater. All right, Lon Chaney. All right, so good we stuff. no, that's true. No, well, you know, not as good as this though. So during the break, oh. Scott made Scott, who uh, sadly is 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 a uh, file or is is in the process of divorcing. I guess that's how we'll put that. But during the break, early stages, but yeah, the sort of have out of a have not that he came to during the break was this. He said, <laughs> and it was sort of great. It was like you sort of looked up. It was like the moment when you go, wait a minute, Bruce Willis has been dead the whole film. <laughs> during the break, Scott just goes, wait a minute. This means I can go get laid. <laughs> I wish you had told me 55 minutes ago. We could have found some slut listener to have sex with you. Lovely li- oh, yeah. I or a lady, anyway. I mean, the lovely part is, I guess, subjective. We could have found somebody. We've got any number of trashy listeners. Probably give it up for you. We got- what with your vast Blade Runner knowledge and all? Yes. <laughs> and I am famous. Let's not forget that. <laughs> you know who I am? Yes, it's true. Yeah. So... <clears throat> I don't know. So maybe, maybe for uh, Hanukkah or Christmas or whatever, Rosh Hashanah. Oh, yeah, you're are. a good-looking fella. You, it won't well, be a problem. You, you are a sexy man, Scott well, Dowling. Thank you. Sir, I, beard or no? Should I lose it or keep it? I like the beard. Yeah? Okay. You think? Mm-hmm. All right. I think so, yeah. I'm, I'm not one to judge. I don't really know. That's the thing is, I don't want to get all bushy. I just want to kind of keep it. That's a weird. Uh, just kind of keep it like this and trimmed and stuff. Uh, you'll have to. Uh, and I'm not. It looks, you, yeah, it looks like a period of transition beard. I'm not yeah. saying you dress badly. I'm really not. But no, I'm no. saying you'll have to have somebody keep an eye on your wardrobe because here's the thing. <laughs> no, no, no. Here's I know, the thing. That's my fear. No, because the thing is, uh, my friend Brandon. This years ago, he got divorced, and he he was he was a good looking guy, good sense of style, and I knew. His divorce was like really over in his head. I knew he was had accepted it yeah. because he came in one day and looked fantastic. Really? I mean, came in, looked wonderful, dressed like a very style. He was metro before there was a metrosexual term. Yeah. And I was like, what's up with you? And he's like, well, I'm single. And he just looked badass. I mean, but you know, the thing is, some guys, they become single. They go out and they try to do a little bit of a stylistic makeover, and it looks bad. Well, my my best friend Dave, who's down in L.A., his fiance, they're getting married here in January, moving here in April or May of next year, uh-huh. back to Portland. Uh, but when I was down there, Ceci said to me, she goes, Scott, I want you to be my project. Like, yeah. uh, she says, Dave won't let me, so you're going to be it. It's like, what's that? Fashion makeover, clothes, whole nine yards. Like, 
Okay. Just be careful, so. though, because you don't want to start dressing, uh, you know, like... Uh, you don't want to dress like a guy who's recently single. Exactly. That's mm-hmm. my fear. You want to dress like a guy who's just, uh, you know, knows how to dress. You don't Comfortable wanna... in your own skin. That's yeah. what I'm saying. You don't want to go out and buy a whole bunch of, uh, you know, like weird... Like, look at these Oakley sunglasses that I'm that I'm well, sporting. We should have... We can even, like, help him on the show make a segment, perhaps, because Scott hasn't been single in nine years, and I'm sure... I'm assuming you guys dated, you know, well before yeah, that as well. Yeah, it's probably been ten years since I've really been Excellent. on the single scene. On so, the market. Decades. So we got to ease them back into the market. I like the way you think, Sarah Dillon. Wow. I like cool. The best part is how we didn't even ask Scott's permission <laughs> for turning <laughs> his private that. sorrow into our show. We didn't even ask if we could talk about him saying, I can get laid. <laughs> no, actually, what's funny is, uh, I, I, you know, that, that would be kind of cool, actually. <laughs> Excellent. That well, we'll, uh, well, we'll look into it. Um, All right. Thanks. Okay. I will stop no, short of you guys. Thank you. This is. Uh, I will stop short of the of the. Uh, uh, I will stop short of the the Howard uh, Stern thing of saying that you are obligated to alert us when you do get laid. You have to let us know when it happens. I, of course, I will. See, there you go. So I don't have to ask because you're a guy. I know you'll do it. So, no, we'll. Uh, well, we'll ask around for you, and then no, I like the idea of the clothing though, helping you ease back into the dating yeah, scene. Yeah. Because it is. It's a whole, uh, it's a whole strange world out and there. And it, I've got to admit, I'm not. You know, dating is the first thing from my mind right well, dating now. Dating so, blows. Yeah, dating blows. So no, yeah, don't date. Just no. go and get laid. That's what I mean. <laughs> my advice to you is to listen to this radio station between three and seven, Scott Daly. <laughs> Let me introduce you to a little man named Tom Likas. And what will Tom teach me? Uh, I could have you talk to Scotty too, because you know. <laughs> I'm just saying, because yeah. it won't be. Let's let's be honest. <laughs> the first person I you're testing it. out those waters, but let's be honest, he's going to be following behind you. <laughs> I have a new waiting pool partner today. Yeah. Oh. You're you're like the first guy off the beach at Normandy, <laughs> but he's he's like three rows back. Maybe so. we can get a bachelor pad like uh oh, like oh, Milhouse's father. Oh, oh that is fantastic! You and Scotty <laughs> oh, in a bachelor that could be pad. A reality show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> fantastic! I like the way you think. Excellent. Scott Daly, uh, their website is filmfeverradio.com. Great show this week. Nice and creepy. We talk about what makes a great horror film. Excellent. We want to thank our senior radio correspondents, James Roop, Mark Shearer, uh, and Ed McCarthy. Join us next week. We'll have, among other folks, Mistress of Reality performing live in studio. Rick Emerson, show produced today, and everyday but loving, talented Sarah X. Dillon, Richie Bristol, Tim Riley, Dave Zinn. Thanks for listening. Have a good weekend. See you all Monday. Bye.